Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We've shown you it's who we are. Now it's time to see if we have the brains and balls to discuss the final episode of Paramount Plus's limited series, The Offer. We have Adam Arkin back once more to direct the finale and Nikki Toscano, Russell Rothberg and Michael Tolkien taking up writing duties on this final episode. Joining me is my partner in crime. A man who I'd happily squabble in a kitchen whilst we make a slap-up pasta dish, share a bottle of wine whilst we try and break the beats of a story and share multiple cannolis with. It's the Mario Puzo to my Francis Ford Coppola, the Tweedledee to my Tweedledummer of podcasting. Yours and my favourite Welshman, Will Chich. How you doing, Will? I'm good. Lovely introduction, mate. Thanks. No worries. I thought, I thought, I thought I'd... Uh... Yeah, yeah, lovely we'll stuff. Have, uh, go, go, go all out for the finale episode. Yeah, so that's right. We're, we're coming to the end of something. It feels like an emotional yeah, time. Yeah. It feels like a time for me to bear all, bear my soul yeah. in in this intro. Um, how are you? Lovely. How are you feeling about 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 discussing the last episode? Are you are you and obviously leaving this series somewhat? Are you trepidatory? Yeah, you mix it. I've. I've enjoyed. It's been a lovely old time. I've enjoyed it, but obviously, it's sad it's come to an end. Because you know, I have to find a new excuse to drink wine and now eat cannolis. So, uh, well, we'll. we'll uh, I'm sure I'll definitely we'll, find an excuse. I'm sure we'll find. I'm sure we'll find an excuse together. Will it would be like what are you doing? On oh, a we will. Yeah, not even <laughs> recording a podcast anymore. Just uh, yeah. wine and wine and cannoli Thursdays. Perfect stuff. Well. Before we get into talking about uh, this final episode, Brains and Balls, there's a certain little bit of duty that I nearly skipped over last week, so um, let's get to it now, and that is the wine! <laughs> oh, and what drop have we gone for this week, Will? We are, we are in, in, in sync this week what we are in sync Uh, and we've gone because obviously it's the finale the final episode we've gone for a wine from 
Poplar's Vineyard. Yes, please, sir. I've got a 2018. Yeah. A Rosso. 2018 Avignon Sauvignon. Yes, a, Ross, a part of the Rosso and Bianco strand of the Coppola Winery, um, which, to, peel, to, to give you a little peek behind the curtain, I believe is their kind of cheapo strand of the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've specifically chosen the one I can afford. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, a lot of them are kind of still quite reasonable, mm. like a bottle of wine, yeah. like a kind of a special occasion kind of bottle of wine. But they seem to be near on impossible to order in the UK, as I've found. Like, mm. I tried to order one, and it cost maybe the same price in shipping as it did for the bottle of wine. I was like, oh, £25 ain't bad for a bottle of wine. 50 quid is a different scenario altogether. Yeah. Um, do you mind doing the honours, Will, and reading out? There's a little blurb on the back of the bottle. Do you mind reading that out for us? So, yeah, we've got the blurb on the front saying, my family has always made wine. To hear it from my father, Carmine, these were not fancy wines. They were everyday wines, wines that were on the dinner table each night. Our Rosso and Bianco wines are made in the same spirit, wines for everyday life. And that's from Mr. Coppola. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. And then... I used to hear stories from my father about how grand, Grandpa Ag Agostino Coppola made wine in the, the tenement in New York City during Prohibition. They weren't fancy wines, mind you, but pleasurable, everyday wines that reflect the comfort of home. Our Cabernet Sauvignon is made in the same spirit, a wine for everyday life. So, lovely stuff there. Definitely, definitely. Sorry. I'm currently chewing... Mm -hmm. Because we've not only just got wine for these episode for this episode, we're treating ourselves. We're treating ourselves. Mm. Maybe not the listener, because I'm currently eating a lemon cannoli. We are we are leaving the gun and very much taking the cannoli for this final episode. Um, mm. What what a delightful treat a cannoli is! Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I just inhaled two. I had a lemon and a salted caramel. And they were absolutely delightful. Oh, I just can't get enough. I just, uh, there's, 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 it's like, it's like heaven wrapped in a biscuit. Oh, it's lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. I did have four, but I had to give two to Kylie because I'm nice, <laughs> not because I felt guilty. Strong but arm, I kind you? of am regretting now because I've eaten those two too quickly. I could quite easily eat another two because they are absolutely delightful. Hmm. I, I definitely get what the fuss is. Why? Oh, why Clemenza was so adamant that he leave the gun and take the cannoli. Like the cannoli had to come back. If this is what we're getting from. British bakeries. I can only imagine what like an American bakery would be doing, or like a proper Italian bakery would be doing. Like, yeah. Oh, oh. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just in. Mm. I'm in cannoli heaven right now, guys. <laughs> yeah, we absolutely lovely stuff. 
So let's not, um, yeah, let's not beat around the bush and let's get to it. And as we do at the beginning of all of these, Will, can you tell us what happened at the end of last week's episode? Yeah, so it's basically where um, the Godfather is shot. It's not shot. It's filmed. It's ready. It's ready to go. We're on the build-up to the premieres, stresses about the length of the cut. Bob's been... Bob was off the scene. He's back on the scene, firing all cylinders. He's got the cut he wants. And, yeah, so we've, it's basically now we're on the build-up to the release of... The Godfather, with kind of the mafia stuff is done, that's gone. It's the Godfather release now. So where do we pick up with the story at the beginning of this episode? So we start off straight in March 1972. Yeah, March 1972. That's your title card. And uh, Francis and Reddy and, and Bob are in the toilet of what seems to be the premiere of The Godfather. And they're having a chat because Francis is nervous. Obviously, he'd said he wasn't nervous at some point. He's nervous. Ruddy is chatting to him. Bob comes in and they share the share your rhino and have a chat. <laughs> so, yeah, we start at the premiere. Well, the toilets of the premiere. And then that's when we get this great cut in this episode because, obviously... This is an episode that plays about with time somewhat because we kind of get this mm. moment where they're on the precipice of the the premiere and people finally seeing the film. And Francis asks Bob if he's nervous and this is the exchange they have. I understand how you're so calm, Evans. Bobby, I'm always calm. Fuck, 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 motherfucking cabaret. I thought it was pretty good. I like the dancing. Oh, well, of course you do. The man who created a comedy about Nazis loves a musical about Nazis. I mean, are you sure you're even Jewish, huh? I'm sure. <clears throat> Look. Sorry, I'm, I'm still eating a cannoli. Um... <laughs> yeah, so... <clears throat> well, I seem to be choking on a cannoli. This is going well so far. <clears throat> but... Yeah, so we they have that exchange, and yeah, so we then we dive back to that we go a month earlier, then don't we? Mm -hmm. That's how we. So then the episode's in full swing. We've had the scene of them in the bathroom, and there's obviously nerves at the premiere. That exchange, and then we we get the one month earlier where we see. Um, Bob and I think Bob and Ruddy. A chatting, is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you get. You get that nice little jump cut between yeah. Bob saying that line of, I never get nervous to, like, yeah, a month earlier, like, fuck, <clears throat> fuck, 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 fuck. Like, yeah. The fact that their film is opening, they're talking about the fact that it's going to be opening in, in March, which, like, yeah. when it comes to the Oscars, is like, you've missed that year's one. You're so far away from the next one. Like, is there yeah. even going to be a chance for, for there to be any kind of yeah uh involvement in the oscars at all so yeah they're, they're fretting about that and they basically say to each other like we need to we need to come up with something right they're like something yeah, because of this yeah so they, they they need they need a plan because they 
the panic is setting in about the clash with cabaret and the fact that obviously it's a it's a long film and they the stresses of whether it's going to play how is it going to play against cabaret and the march release day like you say missing the oscars with that oscars window and yeah so the, 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 that's the crux of this episode really the build-up to the panics of the the premiere well there's a there's it kind of really like more i don't know not even more so i don't know it really keeps up the pace in this episode as well doesn't it like because kind of go from that quick scene between uh evans and ruddy discussing discussing that they need a plan straight into evans at a mill with barry lapidus and for a moment like whilst watching the episode i thought like are we like jumping back again ever so slightly to the mill that they we saw like the beginning of I, at the end of last week's episode i thought that as well i thought that was the idea was that because when bob sits down with um barry at the end of the last episode i figured this is what we were going to do we were going to bounce in between the episodes now and see almost the bits we didn't see because that, that's why i thought i thought that was that meal yeah i could so maybe should really go back wasn't, and double check what they're wearing in both episodes like well, yeah, because it it's not clear, but uh-huh. I thought that. But then maybe it could, like you say, well, I should probably check that whether they're wearing the same thing because could be wrong. Yeah, that was that was something that jumped out to me. So, like, um, obviously Barry first of all says to to Bob, like, well, I did say we could have gone with the earlier cut and we would have been out for Christmas because, yeah. as we know, even in 1972 or 1971. <laughs> christmas was like a big release window right and we'll get into something a bit later on in this episode but i don't know like this film changed everything in regards to like how films were distributed from then on out um and bob says to barry like i'm gonna need your business brain on this like i've got all the kind of razzle dazzle and i can charm people but you really need to crunch yeah. the numbers and figure out a way we can get out of this. And uh, what did you make of like, I, I think it's like a thing of like, I've, and it speaks to Bob Evans's way of reading people. Like when Barry, he obviously has a thought and doesn't, doesn't say anything. And Bob just picks up on it immediately. Doesn't he? He says, that, uh, what was that? What was that look? What was that? And cause he knows he was going to, um, Lapidus was going to say something. And so mm, I'm not, that's, that's crazy, but Bob likes crazy. I, so I love, yeah, I love the line he says as well, where he's like, because he's like kind of teasing. He's like, no, no, he shouldn't say. It. He's like, he's like, said to me, I'm practically erect right now. <laughs> <laughs> in yeah, true, in true Bob Evans fashion. Um, so Barry says, yeah, that the the plan is too risky, but says to Bob, when can you next be in New York? And then. We move to Betty and well, yeah, we get we get a lot of scenes about this, like Ruddy and Betty discussing what the next move will be. Right, they're kind of, uh, and we, we get we we get some nice little mentions about what other people are doing. I like the mention that it's like, ah, oh, Coppola's already like making the conversation. Bob has a few things on the go, and uh, we get we get mentioned to our our number one boy. Uh, it says, uh. 
even Puzo's like fielding offers at the moment. <laughs> yeah, they all get a mention, and it, like again, these scenes they do their making sure we know exactly what's going on. There's it again, one of these exposition dumps that fills in the gaps of what we haven't seen. But yeah, it's fun. This again, this is one of those episodes where, like we said before, it's quite like it's one of those caper episodes because it's bouncing about all over the place. We've got rapid scenes in different places. Again, we'll get to it, but sometimes the the timeline doesn't quite add up. But from the from the opening moments, did it feel like a finale episode to you? I'm not sure. I don't know. Like um no because it's the foot it's a weird not a weird choice because it, it does make sense but it's the first time we've had in the series i think the time jumps well we've had massive time jumps they've just never been no, like, like, they've never been actually mentioned yeah. yeah we've never had one back right well, yeah yeah, yeah we like we've never gone like we you know like um I can't remember the word, but it's never it's been chronological. It's been a straight, yeah, it's, yeah. Now, it's been a straight timeline and it's been ridiculously sped up, but we've never had it out of chronological order and back and forth. So, for the final episode, I thought, oh, that's a choice, I suppose. But yeah, it, it didn't feel immediately like the finale. Well, I think it's that thing, and I guess it's, I don't know, it's maybe like mini-series itis in that fact of like mm. they're like you can imagine they're made as a chunk as like a series yeah, yeah. so it doesn't have that <laughs> oh sorry about that uh, it doesn't have that uh <laughs> it doesn't have that thing where it's like an ongoing series where the the finale episode of that season has to be like a big grab you by the throat like yeah. you gotta come back for season two or it's not like a finale finale of a multi like a multi-season series where it's like oh we really need to give you like big big closure because we've set up a lot of moving parts throughout i don't know five six seasons so we've got to kind of like tick tick a lot of stuff off and yeah really like pay stuff off in a in a satisfying manner and i suppose with it this kind of well factual in inverted commas but factual, we we kind of know we're not we're not waiting for the big twist because yes. we know where we know where we're going and we know where it's going to end it's just how they get there yeah so i suppose yeah in that sense with because if you're with a, a big series or an ongoing season, or a limited series, you're sitting down for the finale thinking, oh, I wonder, like, oh, what are they going to do here? What's going to happen here? But you're not doing that with this because, unless they went completely rogue and did something different. But yeah, I think <laughs> we, we all know where, where it's going. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get the Oscar night and things turn out completely different to they actually did. It'd be brilliant. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, whilst they're discussing things, um, Ruddy says to Betty about like there's no good scripts coming in from agents and if that's the case we better write something and then finds a treatment that he's written and uh gives hands it to Betty we kind of again this this big jump in time she literally walks out of the room and walks back in 
and has read it. And uh, you read it, yeah. Loves, loves the loves the treatment. And Ruddy's like, yeah, it's, uh, it's actually the uh, it's the first thing I wrote after uh, after writing Hogan's Heroes. Uh, it's no surprise that the show inspired by Al Ruddy's recollections of what happened that his treatment was incredible <laughs> so yeah well i'll mention it i'll mention it now and we'll, we'll get into it we'll get into it at a later point because um yeah i'll, I'll say it now we will be doing yeah. a, a complete kind of series wrap up next week and kind of d- diving into some stuff but uh al ruddy was actually on uh mark Marin's wtf and it is it is quite funny like some of the some of the comments he makes in regards to like uh stuff being the truth he doesn't go into specifics but kind of even alludes to the fact or kind of openly says like yeah some of it's true some of it's like he sounds like he sounds like he's been telling these stories like the stories he tells throughout the podcast it sounds like he has said for years and it's kind of it's definitely that thing we've talked about on previous episodes where he's he's added a bit of spice each time he's told the story and it's kind of fact and fiction and no longer uh there's no there's <laughs> the no, lines are blurred yeah, the, lines are, the lines are non-existent do you know what i mean they just <laughs> like, yeah and, and throughout it all he comes out on top i think in every story he tells as well oh yeah and it, like we said we'll get into it but it, it's most clearest in this episode, the finale, that it's Al Ruddy's version of events. Oh, very much so. Um, so we go to Bob and Barry going to see Charlie Blue Dawn, and they get this lovely welcome from him. Send Tweedledee and Tweedledummer in. Yes, sir. Mr. Blue Dawn will see you. Yes, thank you, sweetheart. We got it. Um, it's great, right? Charlie coming in with a, yeah. with, a with an absolute singer, Tweedledee and Tweedledummer. <laughs> Tweedledummer, yeah, right. It's another one of those that Charlie has and Bob have. They do have some great lines, and like we've got them before. Like it's just funny. I could watch as the series has gone on. There's certain people you can watch together. I could quite happily watch. In the beginning, it was Copper and Puzo, and I could watch Charlie Bluthorn and Bob Evans butt heads for an entire series, just those two. Yeah. Because they're so good when they have their moments together. Yeah. And, but, but why, why are they, why, why have they come to see Charlie Bluthorn? So, yeah, Barry's got a plan. Well, let's, it's a, should we hear this plan? Yeah. We feel the Godfather may need some help for the opening. Oh, you think so? Well, you're opening in fucking March. Whose idiotic idea was that? Doesn't matter, because Barry's got a brilliant idea. We block book. Usually, we'd book just a few specific theaters. Yeah, I know how the business works. Don't tell me what I already know. Listen! We block book a huge number of theaters. 300 at least. We spend an unprecedented amount of money on the prints, but we make that first day 
a juggernaut. If we release it at that many theaters at once, everybody will see it at the same time. It's all anyone's gonna be talking about. We get more bang for our initial ad campaign and we front load sales like never before. It's a brilliant idea, Charlie. There's already a huge amount of buzz about the movie. It'll create headlines beyond variety. Think about it. Forbes, Wall Street Journal, Financial fucking Times. What if no one shows? Well, then we're out of shit ton of your money on the spend, Charlie. But if it works, we make film history. We reinvent the distribution business. The idea of losing money gives me a rash. But do it. Now get out. Thank you. And Evans. You know who I wanted that premiere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Barry. Who is it that he wants at that 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 premiere? Kissinger. Henry Kissinger. Uh, for those Henry Kissinger was the uh, United States Secretary of State at the time. Uh, a very odd request, but was actually something that Charlie Blue Dawn uh, actually like actually. Yeah, requested for for the premiere. <laughs> why? Because, why Henry Kissinger? Because just because because he's like a obviously he's a big political figure and yeah. Bob Evans knew him. Bob Evans was friends yeah. with him. Like, go. Uh, I think I recall. Of course this, he was. I think I recalled the story earlier on in this this series. But yeah, when it came to uh, the making of the film Popeye, uh, they ran into some troubles and. Bob Evans once again called on a favour from Henry Kissinger to write a letter to the Maltese Prime Minister to basically uh, say that Bob Evans's suitcases that had gone missing need to be returned to him immediately um, because Bob Evans didn't tell Henry Kissinger they were full of cocaine. But uh, <laughs> so, what? What do you think of Barry's plan? Like, obviously, like. Looking at it from today's standpoint, that's kind of how movies are released, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it for them saying how maverick it was and how wild and what a crazy idea it was, you realise, oh yeah, well that is exactly what happens now. Like you only got to look at my local view and look at the listings, and that's exactly what happens. A film gets a big film gets released, and they just book the shit out of it. Jimmy, so but to think that that wasn't a thing for a film to like be block booked is quite well. It just seems sensible that that's what they would. It would be the done thing and always has been, but obviously not. Well, it's not even the fact of like there would like be a case of like it would be like maybe one cinema in like or like a, a few cinemas in New York are playing it, a few a couple a, a few in LA. Like it's kind of, and then the prince would like do like a circuit around the country, kind of thing. Yeah. Like depending on where you lived, like the kind of more like out of the way you lived. By the time you saw it, it would have been months later, and it probably the print would have been like ruined to shit. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Where it's like kind of just been like been through so many different projectors that it's like you're watching it, it's all grainy and like like fucked by the time you see it, and it's like yeah. And yeah, I was thinking about this recently, about that idea of a time, and it was obviously like something that we 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 often take for granted that 
if you like back back in like the seventies, obviously until like the the early eighties, I guess it's like if you missed the film in the cinema, that's it, really. Unless it gets like a, a rep screening or like turns up on TV, like that's it. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm, like I remember the cinema early did like. If you missed the film in the cinema, it was a, a year before it even came out to rental VHS. Mm-hmm. So I remember that, and like, and then the big the, it being available to rent was huge because, like you say, you would have you'd wait a year unless you got hold of a pirate copy of Cliffhanger with Sylvester Sloan, which was my <laughs> first VHS. Yeah, first I remember someone filmed it in the cinema. Incredible scenes, but yeah, you have to wait. Forever for the film to appear. Yeah, but like, and then it, it was another year or even longer for it to be on telly. But even even that, it's like even that is like kind of you would that you would get the chance to see it. I'm talking about the time when it was like if you missed it, like yeah, it was, you it was, might never good. see that film yeah. again. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, nah, that's it. Like people and the didn't because people didn't know like that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like the advent of VHS tapes would be mm. right around the corner in like the early eighties. Like, yeah. So it's like, yeah, this like, I don't know. Ah, oh, absolutely. Like, it's, it's kind of mind boggling yeah, to it's, think about. Yeah, because I've never really, never really crossed my mind. I've never really thought of it that way. But yeah, I suppose if you didn't see The Godfather in the cinema, you ain't seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, might, it. it might have turned up on like TV, like uh, yeah, like maybe, I don't know, maybe like maybe like nineteen seventy five, seventy six. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like that exp- I've never, yeah, never really thought, but that explains the the huge queues to see to see things around the block and stuff. Because yeah, you're not getting the chance otherwise. Mm. Yeah, and I guess it very much speaks to like something that yeah, as we're speaking, it seems like. I don't know, cinematic exhibition is like on its knees somewhat, like one of the biggest chains in the world, cine world, like yeah. close to filing to for bankruptcy and like whether that means they'll have to change their business model somewhat or they'll have to like close down a lot of like branches of like, do you know what I mean? Like smaller branches will probably fall by the wayside and stuff like that and then how is it going to go? Is it going to be a thing of it's just going to be blockbuster films in there, or are they going to use this as a chance to yeah. diversify and show us? Do you know what I mean? Like multi chain, multiplex cinemas will all of a sudden have like some more indie fare to try and like get people. I just, they start doing rep screenings. Who knows? I don't know. I, I I think I worry that the cinema is already expensive enough, but I think you are. It potentially has the same way of going like the the high street shops where the smaller ones you have your flagship ones and that's what will be so you'll have like this cinema world Leicester Square will stay open but the smaller ones will just go so you have your flagship ones and then of course you have to go and see I don't know Avengers 27 in the big cinema because that's your only option and People will go, and that's that's what worries me. It'll become even more exclusive. That it's going to cost more money because you have to go to the big ones to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which would but, be a shame. 
ticketing was be done on like a kind of theater basis depending on like how yeah. how 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 good your tickets are if you're in a primo position like will you yeah. pay more or i don't know oh yeah, yeah I, I see the cinemas with like kind of all the bells and whistles you know like the ones that especially with cineworld the ones that have got the imax screens and the mm the 4dx's and the super screen they'll probably be the ones to stay but they're kind of like yeah seven screeners in like some do you know what i mean in some kind of yeah stopgap town will be kind of yeah. see you later yeah because it, it it will become i do worry it will become like you say like the theater where you you won't just be popping to because i remember as a kid the cinema wasn't if it was a rainy day we'll pop the cinema there's no way I'm doing that now because it's it's fucking expensive. Well, yeah, yeah, so, like, yeah. So as we're recording, last Saturday was National Cinema Day, mm. so it's three pound a ticket. And I saw ET with my son at the cinema, and I imagine That's I, very jealous. I imagine we like we paid the same price for a ticket that people in 1982 paid for a yeah. ticket to see that film and it was yeah. it was amazing because it was a packed out cinema on an IMAX screen and we were both enthralled like part of my viewing experience yeah. very much was like watching the wonder on his face as much as kind yeah, of absolutely. back to the screen like yeah because we discussed it like about I, I was saying to you like I took uh, Ellis, my boy, to see his his first big film was because he loves Spider Man was into the Spider Verse, and I got as much of a kick out of watching him watch it and being like, "Holy shit, it's a big telly!" to the actual film, yeah. and I just worry with this how things are going that people are not going to be able to do that because, like you say, four DX. Fucking hell, that's not cheap, mate. <laughs> I've never done 4DX. I, I can't think of anything worse myself, but have you done the 4DX thing? Oh, yeah, I saw Top Gun Maverick in 4DX, and it was an absolute fucking hoot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, mate. The, the chair moving and all that. Oh, it, like, it's, it's a novelty, but it is fun. I've done it yeah. for a couple of films. I I, I, I worked in, in a cinema when it was kind of being launched, and... Um, I think they showed us like some clips from like a Fast and the Furious film to kind of like show us the capabilities of it, mm. and it like it's it's fun. It's do you know what I mean? It's it's like a yeah. theme park attraction. Well. And Top Gun Maverick was like kind of the perfect film for it. So like when when they're taking off on the jets, all of a sudden your seats like kind of tipping back, and you're like, whoa! Yeah. I suppose if you're going to see the right film, it's a bit of fun in it. Yeah, no, okay. Maybe I'll do a four DX for the right film. Top yeah, yeah, Gun yeah. Maverick sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Got, yeah, you can't, you know, you can't be watching like a a two handed drama in four DX. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, just any yeah. any time you, you you're expected to cry, all of a sudden rain is falling. On you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for the right film. Yeah, not something like um, Steve McQueen's Shame. Oh, four DX experience. <laughs> that, that wouldn't be ideal. Whoa. Yeah, fucking Michael Fassbender's yeah. wang. Uh, uh. <laughs> Anytime he comes, you get sprayed with water. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. Um, well, you, you mentioning Steve McQueen, 
not that Steve McQueen who directed Shame. Uh, the other Steve Dang McQueen. Uh, Barry spots a headline all about Ali McGraw and Steve McQueen as they exit uh, Bob's office and uh, enter Barry's. Um, and obviously he kind of then realizes maybe that's why Bob has been the way he is. And um, he cracks a little joke, uh, which is kind of like, I don't know, the first, like, one of the, one of the signs that, ah, uh, you know what, Barry, he, he might be, he might be an all right guy. <laughs> yeah, they do this a couple of times in this episode, which is, again, one of these weird choices they make in this series is they give Barry character development in, like, the last episode. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is like, you go, all oh, right, because there's two things in this, this episode, which we, in the clip you just played, it's the first time we see Barry, like, give Charlie some shit and say, just listen. Yeah. And you go, oh, fucking hell, there he is. And then he's become, like, part of the gang, Lapidus says. It just in this episode, though. And you go, oh, do you know what I mean? It, all his his entire character is his arc happens now. Well, do you think we were supposed to get? Because obviously we got some stuff at the back end of last episode where like he's kind of having that crisis of confidence, like about like uh, am I like I'm not I'm not ever going to be as good as Bob. And do you think that scene of Bob like going to him at at the restaurant and kind of sitting down with him is kind of an element of them burying the hatchet and kind of like Barry feeling accepted by Bob in some way. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, and I think that was the idea is like they, there's a, again, like we ha happens quite often, they've got a bit of mutual respect for each other. And so they, yeah, burying the hatchet, but like also, like you said, that mutual respect and they just, you've got the brains, I've got the schmooze. You know, but it's a well, watching this episode, which the, is the last episode. It's, it's the brains it's and the balls, right? It's like, it's yeah, like, exactly. It's but yeah, Bob Evans is the balls just, and Barry's the brains of the kind of like, brains. But I just, it's a shame we didn't have that a couple of episodes ago because I quite like, like the Peters is quite funny in this this episode, and I like it when he's being. That dynamic between Bob Evans and him with the brains and the balls is quite good. And it's a shame we've had it all in 10 minutes of an episode. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it was like a lack of confidence in this show, but like, I don't know. Would it have been, would it have been a piss take if they'd drawn this out over like a two season arc? Do you know what I mean? Like 20 episodes or like. Maybe. Or even but... 12. Even twelve, even a couple more episodes to, re like we said last week, to really kind of do the Sicily stuff justice and kind of like let let a few different things breathe. As we said, yeah, I don't. That's that's exactly it. I don't know if that is part of the issue is because it's so ruddy centric. Do you know what I mean? I think that is one of its downfalls. And it, it it becomes, like I said, we'll get into it, it becomes quite clear in this episode because there's a few things that are kind of brushed over, which I assume that, well, yeah, we'll get to it, but would be more of a thing. And it's literally 
passed over in one line and you go all oh, right okay yeah yes yeah, yeah because yeah. it may as well be already going back to me mate don't worry about the other guys back to me yeah, yeah. and you go a bit yeah like the, yeah. Ca- the camera's over there no 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 yeah. no come over here because i'm gonna do something noble again <laughs> yeah i'm gonna save but, yeah. some children from a burning yeah. building yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed he hasn't got a cat down from a tree in this entire run because that's the, his kind of vibe. <laughs> Helping old ladies across the street. Yeah. Do you know I mean, let's let's gloss over the fact that he was like basically mates with the mob. Do you know what I mean like? Uh... Yeah, we forget about that. Don't worry about that. He, saw, he literally watched the man piss himself, but it was just a blip. We've all, we've all had dark nights. It's happened. Yeah, we've all made mistakes. What did you make? We've all had the white, the whiter shade of pale walk. <laughs> you you mentioned Barry is funny in this episode. What did you make of his joke? Uh, and do you remember his joke to tell us? Uh, I can remember the punchline. What well, I can't remember the setup now. It's, uh... So it obviously wasn't that great. Do, do you know? Do, do you know the uh, the, the the one thing the, can, the main cause of divorces? Yeah, that's it. The main cause of divorces in uh, America. What's that? Marriage. Yes, but then it. it Barry's joke. It's it, all right. It opens. It opens the kind of way for like a kind of quite a poignant discussion about kind of marriage hmm. and like yeah, would it would. And more to the point, what did you make of this kind of friendship between that, that's developed in this kind of short time between Barry yeah. and Bob? Yeah, it's this, it's a strange one that we've said with this series. The time time scale, it just flies by. And they have, a they develop a relationship over the course of a dinner to the point where they have a dinner where they hate each other. Not so they have a dinner and then... They're opening up to each other about their marriages and love life. You go, well, that happened quite quickly. But I think it's just for the purpose of that conversation. It is quite a nice discussion and a heart-to-heart, as Barry says about his failed marriages, his failed relationships, and Bob gets to talk about what's happening with him. So, yeah, it's just, again, it's just one of those weird ones. I'll give them the benefit of a doubt, because I would like to, I would imagine in the kind of timeline of this show there is a like time jump between episode nine and episode ten because obviously we were they were wrapping up the film and it was it was yeah it would have been it would have been at least four months because they're talking about we're not going to make christmas so we got to think like i don't know like october november so yeah, we're talking like four or five months by the time we get to, by the time yeah, by the time we get to um, the, the like February that this this bit is set right this and then yeah because it we it would be like towards the end of February wouldn't it? because we had the March twenty seventh of one month earlier so it's the end of February around then so yeah it just like we said I I like this scene between Bob and um. Bob and Barry, I just—it's a shame we didn't have more of it mm. earlier on. Yeah, I, 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 I like their relationship. I like the kind of 
I don't know, like, like you do still get the sense though that Barry is a bit of a prick, like in his kind of thing. Oh like, yeah, he's like he's still a dick. There's pathos to him, like where he's like, like yeah, I've, I've been married three times, like, and it's that thing of like, did you know that about me? And it's that kind of thing, like, you never even like, it's always that thing of like, Bob, like Bob never really even gave him a chance either. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, kind of neither of ne- like. And it probably is different for Barry because he probably knows all about Bob's affairs because it's blasted all over the papers where it's like, maybe if you took a chance to get to know me, you'd kind of know that, like, I don't know, I'm fundamentally a, a, a hurt person too. Do you know what I mean? And I had to find yeah, yeah. I had to find money we, as the be-all and end-all to, to find true happiness, which is sad in itself. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. He does say that to me. He said this. Money makes me makes him happy, but yeah, but it's a it's a nice scene, a good scene. Yes, yes. So Bob returns to his office and um, he has a call waiting from Ali McGraw. And at the same time as this happens, Bob goes into his office. Al Ruddy comes in to see to see to see Bob because he wants to talk about his next move. And Sheila says mm-hmm. like. Well, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to wait a minute. He's he's on a call because uh, and uh, he's like, "What's his mood like?" It's like, well, we're going to have to wait on that because because uh, 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 of who he's talking to. Um, what is the contents of their chat that Ali and Bob had? Yeah, so she Ali basically says, "Well, I'm I'm sorry you had to see the the article because obviously she's." she's Probably be aware because it's everywhere. The article, and then he asks if it's true, and she says, "You know, not really. Sort of, maybe." It's a bit complicated, but yeah, we'll um, we should we should meet. And Bob, of course, is like, "Yes, please." And he says, "Well, I can come to yours tonight." So that's how it finishes. That's the conversation they're gonna they're gonna meet up. Bob's happy about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He immediately calls like his favourite mm-hmm. restaurant to like get the chef to come over and the chef. prep a meal. Um, and yeah, that that then then Ruddy gets to go in whilst Bob's on a high to discuss to discuss his new script. Um, but how 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 does it play out for Ruddy in this scene? Like, uh, does is Bob receptive to to his idea for a new script? Nah, Bob's Bob's focused now. Bob's got a thing going on. He's he's all about Ali's coming over for dinner, so he's he's in his own. So Ruddy gives the look of because he put, he wants to pitch this. This is his thing. And he also, so yeah, and I, and I think Bob's realistic well as well, right? He's kind of been through the meal of this. Oh, yeah. like, we need to put all our eggs in the the Godfather basket, and he's saying like, uh, "Charlie's yeah, really he, up my ass on this at the moment." Like we can't waste time. We strike while the iron's hot. They just focus on the Godfather, and he's probably not wrong because that's what they should be doing. But Ruddy wants to make his his project. He's got something on his mind. He wants to get out there. So he then he then retreats to the the comfort of Betty McCart and they discuss 
trying to come up with a, a, a kind of attention-stealing lead for the film that will grab Evans's attention. Um, who does who does Betty suggest? Yeah, so Reddy says about uh, Bob's got a Bob's got a heart of uh, Jack Nicholson from the motion picture Chinatown, but Betty says you need a man, a masculine man, someone who's strong and powerful. What about Burt Reynolds? Ruddy says that's a fucking great idea. So <laughs> Burt Reynolds is thrown in, name is thrown into the ring. Nice, nice. Then we go to, yeah, then, then, then we get to see that evening of Ali McGraw coming over to Bob Evans's house. Um, how do things play out here, Will? Are they, are they, are they to Bob's favour or are they? <laughs> no, no, they're not. And I am, this is one of the best scenes in the episode mm-hmm. because, again, um, in fact, absolutely smashes it. He's so good in this because he can do those absolute Bob Evans bobbing it, doing his thing. But he is, he almost like so. The the scene plays out. We see uh, Bob talking to the chef. The chef's preparing the meal. He's sorting everything out. And sneak out the back door. His, come on, come on. Sneak yeah. out the back door. Like. Sneak out. So he sneaks out the back door because he wants Ali to come in with this meal he's cooked. <laughs> and um, like so Ali, believe that in a million years. She lived yeah, with the guy. mental. But yeah. So um, Ali comes, knocks the door. He answers. He's like, "Hey, why did you knock? You don't have to knock. Have you, have you lost your key?" And she's like, "I don't live here anymore." It becomes clear she's got something in her hand. She's not come to have a romantic night with Bob. And Bob, uh, Matthew, it's Matthew, yeah, he plays it so well. Because he's got that, like, at the beginning of the scene, he's got this, like, almost buzzing childlike energy when he's bouncing about and so excited and doing his Bob thing. And it's some great face acting he does in this. Because... His whole, he is brilliant. His whole demeanor changes the moment he see, he realizes. I think, I think it's a really relatable scene as well. I think a lot of people relate to that fact of like, I don't know, like you're you're dating someone, you've had like a ding dong, you might have had like a bit of time of separation, then you you meet for a talk or something like that, and obviously like. In your, I don't know, yeah, in your head, you're thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we'll, we'll work things out. And then very quickly things turn. Like, I, I've definitely had like situations yeah, like yeah. that. And then you realize, oh, no, this is, this is it. Like, this is, this is us donezo. Like, yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's played so well in this episode because in that moment when they have that talk, he's not big Bob Evans. He's just a bloke who's found, realised that it's fucking done. It's over. And that is what's relatable about it. It's not... There are these really unsubtle moments in this show which do go, you go, fucking you know. But it, these scenes, these are the normal, any nomination scenes, you know? Because he's uh-huh. he should have been. Because it, it, you could quite... Yeah, it's a, it's a great bit of it. Because it's... I say his stance changes, his face changes, because he just looks a bit broken. And, uh, He's just a bloke then. And there's some ama- there's 
like amazing turns of phrases he comes out with and it is that like he says to her at one point i could paint your face with a blindfold on and it's like oh, that is like that is so fucking smooth but it's so like it kind of yeah. encapsulates that feeling of kind of like admiration and love for somebody do you know what i mean it's yeah like, it's like I I I I know every inch of you, and I don't know. It's that thing of like, it's almost like the follow up to that is in six months' time you won't be able to. Do you know what I mean? It's like we know, like yeah. six months, you won't be able to do that, Bob. Like it's gonna, things are gonna dissipate, and you're like, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's it's not gonna be the same again. And, do you know what I mean? and the way he said, and the way he says, like the reason they broke up is because of his work mm. and then he's like like i don't know if i'll be able to do it without you mm. <laughs> you're like ah you're having a nightmare mate yeah and I, lo- I love the fact as well that like she's so cool and level-headed about it and is like no it's that is what i loved about you bob or that is she doesn't even say loved about you so like, that is what i love about you bob is that like you are so yeah. passionate and you do you do what you do, like the tenacity yeah. that he has is like. Well, that's, that's yeah, that's what she says. She says you can do it without me because you did. Yeah, which is she, like, she basically saying that, uh, which is both lovely and fucking cutting because you're like, oh shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, you he, were you were doing it without me because I wasn't there. She was hanging on the side. Didn't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yes. It's a, it's a really great scene. It's so it's the right like I say the writing's great. Both performances are great, but yeah, he's the absolute MVP of the show. And it's these scenes where you go, I can know he's good. And I think I think I think like we we haven't shouted her out before, but um, Meredith Garretson as Ali McGraw. I think she's I think she's yeah. I think she's great. Like. And one of the things I wanted to to mention to you do you do you think like I don't know if 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 it's intentional but <laughs> is this the show like making up for the sloppy handling of the kind of Francois exit from the show? Do you know what I mean? Kind of giving us like this at least like I don't know we get this kind of beautiful element of closure between Bob and Ali. Also, again, because it's not ready. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I th- that's, that's and this is Miles Taylor's great in it. I, I mean, the ready's a, it's a character. He's great, but I think that is one of the faults of the show. Is so ready focused. And it, if they just that, like, it, it's almost like ready said the Francois thing. You can imagine going, yeah, and she went. Move on. Yeah, like, like, like it's, it's, yeah, like it's a okay, bit. Too, it's yeah. a bit. Yeah, yeah, like oh, it's, uh, that's still difficult to talk about. Like, let's not let's not mention that. Yeah, <laughs> the writers can then go. Oh, we'll have this lovely scene for Bob and Ali because we can write that. And they said to Al, "Ready? Well, how did it? Fit? It's done. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Let's move on, please. Get back to that time I saved everyone. <laughs> hey, oh, oh, okay, Al." So yeah, it probably is a bit of that because, yeah, because you have these lovely scenes and these really powerful, really nice, well written scenes 
tend to be about the, the characters who are not already. Yeah. And what, what, like, what is interesting as well is obviously this is a total fabrication because this is not when Ali McGraw and uh, Bob Evans split up. They split up. Mm. So I remember you saying, yeah, they split up. After, like, after The Godfather yeah. had come out already. Um, which plays into something because Bob Evans like says like I would still like to have you on my arm at the Godfather like yeah. premiere and she's like uh what is it to it would it be like because you want to or is it is it to like really fuck with the press and he's like unfortunately it's the former but like yeah. a bit of the latter too like I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd also like to stick it to the to to to, to the media and. I think it's got a perfect capper of the scene as well of Bob like blowing out the candles, just like his kind yeah, of, lovely. The love is very much extinguished. Uh, so Betty and Ruddy discuss that he's going to New York with Bob Evans. This is the day of the premiere now, and uh, Bob is waylaid in his office and Sheila. He's telling him, right, you've got to be in the tarmac at this time. You're going to meet Ruddy at the airport. Like, it's all going to be good until he gets a phone call. It's him. Tim who? Kissinger. Henry, Bobby, did you save the world yet? What's the emergency? I was in a meeting with the Joint Chiefs. Just a front row ticket to the hottest movie the world has ever seen, The Godfather. I need you there with me at the premiere, Charlie, too. I wish, but I'm supposed to fly to Moscow tomorrow. Oh, can't you delay? Seriously, Mother Russia's not going anywhere. I don't think I can. Please, Henry, I could really use an ally tonight. And I'll owe you, pal. I'll try, Evans, but no promises. All right. Thanks, Henry. Don't pity me, Sheila. I'm not. Cars waiting. So that that this is something that is true that round the time of 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 the uh <laughs> around the time of this that Henry Kissinger like was meant to be going to peace talks in Russia about about yeah, I guess it would have been the Cold War at this time. Like Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> Bob's in Mother Russia can wait. Lovely. <laughs> Which is absolutely like and it I don't know. It's almost like there's so many fascinating things about this. Like we've said, like the true stuff with Francis and his kind of turmoil mm. making this, that like there is some missed opportunities within this show. I think like if it was I don't know, like some due diligence done. In regards to like, do you know what I mean? You could imagine like trying to get everyone involved who is alive. Do you know what I mean? Like get yeah. Francis's side of the story, get get Peter Bart's side of the story, get kind of all the surviving players, Al Pacino's side of the story. I guess I, I can only think of a kind of business standpoint that if they have one person they go to, it's only one person they're cutting a check to, right? Because Al Ruddy is an yeah. executive producer on this show. So he's probably getting a yeah. bit of a kickback from this show. Whereas, like, if they kind of 
discuss it with everyone, then kind of, le- yeah, the legality comes into it. Then it's like all of a sudden Al Pacino's a, an executive on it. Coppola's an executive. Yeah. On it, and it, like, it goes spirals. Yeah, definitely. And like, like we've said, there's been some quite, there's been some serious missteps in the way they've handled things, which is unfortunate. But like you say, the, you're into like murky waters anyway. Like when if you had every like say key player telling their side, you could, you you might get to the point where you're going, "Well, this is a clusterfuck," because I don't know who's saying what. At least this show is it's not it's not pretending it's anything anything but Al Ruddy's version of events. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll get to a which scene. is fine. Yeah, we'll get to a scene, and it very much feels like the whole show is him telling someone a story. But I'll mention that when we get to the scene in in particular. Um, So Ruddy is on the plane with Evans and he tells Bob about the... Well, yeah, yeah. He he tells Bob about the Reynolds meeting and how he thinks Coppola should direct his film, which the film he's discussing is The Longest Yard, right? Which... Yeah. He says it's a sports movie. Copeland might not seem like the right fit, but he's the he's the right guy for it. They never mention it by name or do they? The title of the film. Not once. I think they do later on, maybe. I'm not sure. So I I was waiting for them I I'm not sure they do, because it's one of the few times I thought, oh hang on, they're just letting us we're supposed to be in on what film it is. Because yeah. I was trying to think, first of all, and he was like, oh. And then as soon as he said, like, it's a sports movie set in a prison. And they're like, oh, it's in Longest Yard. And then Burt Reynolds goes around. I don't think they ever met, well, maybe they do, and I just missed it. I think we ever, because yeah, normally they would be going. I'm just, I've just written it, and I'm like. Yeah, because I like... did. Because I put Longest Yard question mark in my notes when they first mentioned it. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, it is. Because normally, the way the show has gone, it would have been, I've got an idea for a film. It's a prison. I'm going to call it the longest yard. Do you <laughs> mean they're pretty? Normally they're not sat about letting us know. But yeah, I was quite surprised they didn't. But maybe they did. But I didn't notice. That 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 is a good point. Uh, so yeah, they have a discussion, and um, well, it kind of goes a little something like this. This is going to be huge, buddy. I know it. Tonight's premiere is just the beginning. And with Ali gone, I'm doubling down on it all. I want to talk to you about the next one. <clears throat> so, I'm meeting with Burt Reynolds as soon as we get back to talk about that project I mentioned to you. He's really into it. Ready. And I'm thinking, hear me out, we get Francis to write and direct it. I know you don't immediately think of Francis Coppola on sports, but he's, he's the guy. Buddy, your little movie's gonna have to wait. Because we're doing the Godfather sequel first. Francis is right. We can't wait on this. Bob, we don't even know if this one's going to be a hit yet. We can't be banking on a sequel. And I know it's just a treatment right now, but this little movie's starting to get a lot of momentum to it. And I think if we can get it off the ground while the Godfather's rolling out... Buddy, there is no other pick right now. This is it. There's more of a meal here. First rule of Hollywood, never leave anything on your plate. Look, if this thing hits, it's the pot of gold. At the end of the rainbow, and you and I are sitting at the end like a couple of good-looking leprechauns. I need your full attention on this. It's important. Do you understand? 
cue the sad music. But their their conversation goes on and it kind of ends with Bob like praising Ruddy, like because Ruddy says it's our movie. And uh Bob says, No, it's your movie. Your name's on the poster, pal. Um which do you think that was actually said? Like do you think like Bob <laughs> Oh these are these bits where Again, like we said, I think it's clear this already. <laughs> because I don't, I can't. There's a lot of people saying oh, he, the story managed to managed to be a lot of already getting people a pin, saving people, or other people telling already how great already is. Yes. Which is definitely a thing which there's a scene we'll get to. Where you go, fucking hell, mate. All right, we get it. You're already. But yeah, there's a lot of that where it's either someone saying how great already is or already doing great things to let you know how great he is. So Peter Bart opened up to Deadline about this show. Like, he, he came out with some things. And one of the things he said was the, the three amigos like relationship shown in the offer between Ruddy, Copeland, and Evans was a fabrication for the show. He claimed that Ruddy and Coppola were not on speaking terms during the shoot of The Godfather, that Evans did not trust Ruddy, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, so... So, yeah. The, and that doesn't surprise me, but then that wouldn't work, that kind of... For this show, and the type of show it is, it makes sense that there's this camaraderie, this the gang, and like we've like we said, like I've said a million times, we both said it. And this episode again, it fires through stuff. It is a caper. It's almost like those, you know, like um, like a seventies film, like um, it's a mad, 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 mad world. That kind of uh-huh. bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. The gang are all together and they're going on a, and that is the. And maybe it's in, you know, intentionally. That's the idea. It's like one of those those seventies caper films, like and the the oceans films with the that 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 kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is fine. But I I I, I would imagine a large portion of it is bollocks. <laughs> which, but then whatever. I, it's fun. So we 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 then move to the premiere, and. Um... Bob gets a surprise at his door before heading to the premiere. Who's who, who, who's who's joining him for the for the, for the premiere? A bit of stuff. This it's Ali because he does say on the plane, doesn't he? He says he has this dream that he'll go to the premiere with Ali on one arm and Henry Kissinger, which is weird for strange dream. Henry Kissinger on the other, and that, yeah, so Ali turns up at the door in a ready for ready for the premiere and she says i just thought we'd give the press one more thing one night of give the press something to talk about for one more night yeah which is great and lovely yeah she looks great as well she kind of like looks like a kind of raven yeah. almost and like the kind of like where she's just kind of like feathered dress and like and i like that it's black as well almost like a kind of like this is a funeral to our relationship but like <laughs> uh. But again, he play he plays it so well because he does that thing. He genuinely looks happy. Yes. And is it like a 
thanks. You know, he's genuinely like thankful and happy. Yeah. And then, then we get a musical cue. What do what did you make of this drop of Rocket Man like uh, that comes in? Because we get it we get it here. What did you Well again, it's not subtle and it's not it's what this show does and the refrain the the Rocket Man then go carries on into Oh, like I can. This is one of the one of the the premiere I get is why I enjoy the program, why I enjoy the show, but I can completely understand why people would <laughs> take against the show as well. Because I'm invested in them now, and I want to see them all together. But as we've just learned, it's bollocks. Because it is absolutely not how it would have played out at all. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's clearly ridiculous the whole the whole setup of this scene and stuff. But Rocket Man and I, yeah, I bought into it. I'm, I was fine with it. Yeah, I think this scene it really like put a, a glow in my belly of just kind of like hundred percent being like, oh man, things are really hap- like it's hap- it's re- it's ha- it's fine, it's happening like this movie. Well, that's when you. When you know you're having a good time with a show because you're unintentionally sitting there and you realise, oh yeah, I've been I've been grinning for the last five minutes because this is fucking great. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, that's all. That's what you want from life sometimes. And I like the way that the, the, the when they get to the premiere, the like we get Ruddy coming out of the car. I like the camera work in it because we kind of get it like it's kind mm. of at a distance. It's like panning across the crowds and into the. I thought it was going to be a nice, like, kind of long shot, but it kind of breaks quite quickly. I was a bit disappointed slightly, but I like that shot of, like, I don't know, the, the camera's kind of, like, drifting and, it, yeah, following yeah. following Al into the uh, into the premiere. And who's the first person that he bumps into at the premiere? Like, how excited were you for, for, for this? Mate, hey, I... In my notes, it just says, it's only the bloody poos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've missed him so much. I was a bit disappointed it wasn't eating something. <laughs> just turning on the premiere with like a hot dog. <laughs> but yeah, Mario was back. And this is, again, this was quite nice because we, we, it's, this is what I wanted from the finale and which is fine. The gang, the caper, the gang all getting back together, the premiere. Again, it's one of especially in there all when they're all suited and booted now. Like I wanted to high five each other and stuff. Yeah. It was it was great. Yeah, so the poos is the first person he bumps into. And um I love that the poos is said, talking to him. Well, yeah, what's he talking to him about? Yeah, because he, he just said, You're not gonna believe because he said, Yeah, you're not gonna believe. Uh, is it Warner yeah, Warner Brothers? Warner Brothers asked me for a treatment. One page. Superman. And he whispers into the helmet, it's a, is it a million dollars? One million dollars for a page. Yeah, great. Yeah, because they're yeah. like, they wanted, they wanted from the writer of The Godfather. Is this funny? Yeah. yeah. And he, I, mean, I mean, like, Al's like kind of uh, humoring him. And he's like, oh, I think you've undercut him there, pal. Like, uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's great. So, yeah, we have Mario. And then, um, well, the camera pans Bob. as Bob Bob mm. arrives with uh, Ali on one arm and Kissinger 
is waiting in the wings to join them, yeah. which is like, uh, it's great. And then you get Charlie coming down. He's like, this bloody bastard did it. He actually did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, so Charlie's up here. Lepidus is there. And then so we've got pretty much a whole gang, apart from your man Francis, <sighs> who appears like a vision on the stairs in that incredible suit. So, yeah, let's talk about this suit for a moment. Like, this is this is, this is is accurate to what Francis Ford Coppola actually wore at the Godfather premiere. There's, for listeners who have never seen this, like, Google it right now because it, it is a sight to behold. You can look at Dan Fogler's version or you can look at Francis Ford Coppola, but it is a velvet corduroy purple... Uh, no, a purple? Orange... Orange, suit. yeah. Well, yeah, what do you make of this suit? Uh, would, would you write? I mean, it's a bold choice. And I'm not, well, I couldn't pull it off. I'm not Francis Ford Coppola. But, yeah, it's a bold choice. I, I respect it. I respect his decision. I'm a bit disappointed Mario wasn't in a blue one. So they looked like, and they had top hats and canes, like the Dumber and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah nah um yeah it's a choice i liked it i like it i've always said if i do a live copa connections episode of the podcast that i will do it in like that suit basically i will Ooh. find a replica of that suit and do the episode live in that suit because it's the only way it'd be the premiere premiere episode yeah. of a live podcast it has got to be done <laughs> I'll wear the suit. I've got yeah. I've got to wear, I've got to wear the orange suit, which is a, a orange a, suit, bottle of wine, cannolis, lovely. Yeah, yeah. So yes. anyway, to do it. Yes, bloody please. Um, then Evans, uh, yeah, he says like I've got, I've got to move on. I've got a, I've got a chat with the I've got a chat with the boys. We've all we've all got we've got to be together. And then they have a they they go for a, a press conference on the stairs, isn't it? Yeah, this is what's said. <laughs> Francis, what was it like adapting the book? Oh, I had a wonderful time working with this gentleman right here. What are, what are you working on right now? I'm working on a treatment for Warner Brothers. Bob, what's up next for Paramount? Well, uh, we have a wonderful picture, Chinatown, which is in pre-production, starring Nicholson. And then we start shooting Serpico with Al Pacino early next year. And after that, God willing, the great Gatsby. <laughs> Written by our very old Francis, the starring Robbie Rayford. And now, what's next up for you? Well, you know, the Corleone story might not be finished. There's a lot in Mario's book that we haven't even touched yet. The team's all in place. I mean, what can I say? We got lightning in a bottle. Mr. Evans, can you confirm that Paramount is already planning a sequel to The Godfather? <laughs> Wish I'd be the guy. Let's enjoy this moment, because the world will never forget it. A couple of photographs and we'll get in there. Come on. I think it's kind of like at this moment in the show, I was kind of like just brimming with joy. Do you know what I mean? Like it's the kind yeah. of like crescendo of Rocket Man, and then like just those guys kind of like, and that's kind of the way that Bob Evans leaves it as well. Like, do you know what I mean? The world's never, the world has never seen anything like this. It's like just imagining what that moment would have been like. Do you know what I mean? Like thinking, I don't know, like 
it might be hyperbolic to say, but thinking of a world in which like the Godfather didn't exist. And then like, it's especially being on the inside and being like, because for all intents and purposes, like it changed the way that like films were (laughs) distributed. It kind of changed the landscape of modern. And that's the thing. Like a lot of people give a lot of credence to, um, Jaws being the first blockbuster, and it's kind of like this paved the way. In a way, yeah, I, I was, I was thinking I would have watched it because I always, I always say about Jaws being because it opened in the summer, first blockbuster, but absolutely, probably couldn't have been distributed the way it was if it hadn't been for the Godfather being distributed the way the Godfather was distributed. So it hundred percent paved the way for, like you say, that. Well, yeah, because it block booking the blockbusters. There's no way Jaws or other films of it would have been booked like that. And so, yeah, I've always with the Godfather being the greatest film of all time. You think of it like that, but you, I never thought of it as the game changer it was. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. It 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 changed the face of yeah. In my my opinion of the Godfather is I just know it as it's regarded as the greatest film of all time, not as this moment in cinema history that not just because it was that the the like you say yeah, a game changer for the whole thing. And it one hundred percent was like, and it's it's the thing I've talked about on. On, on the podcast before is that the aspect that like Francis Ford Coppola is almost like the first one over the over the top like he kind of like subtly mm. paved the way for a lot of a lot of the new Hollywood guys to do what they did like he was kind of yeah he might not have been the most successful at all of them some of them yeah like George Lucas and Spielberg kind of learnt from him and then like made films that kind of like I don't know benefited from from what the guys at Paramount did with the kind of block booking of The Godfather and it's like I don't know like yeah this film did change the landscape of cinema for the for 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 better or worse for the, for the foreseeable future um so as we yeah, as as we get back to the show, um, Francis and Ruddy are anxiously waiting outside of the auditorium for people like for the reaction. We're getting the we we are getting the final moments of the film. We can hear it in the score. Like yeah, what did what did this, what did this make? Yeah, you I, feel? like I like I like this because again, it's quite a clever way of. If you'd been in the screening, you, it would have been difficult to be in the screening for the show because obviously if the people who were there, you would have had to have, you know, extras. It, it's another clever way of getting something that's iconic, but seeing it exactly like they do with the iconic scenes from the film. They've just done it, the premiere, the iconic premiere from the outside with Francis looking in. Well, and I... Re- I really liked it. I, I liked him pe- peeking. And again, it's that relationship, one of those nice little scenes where a relationship between Ruddy and Francis, where Francis is 
nervous. He's like, oh, they don't like it. They don't like it. And then you hear that applause. Great. Yeah, which is like, which is great. Like, it's kind of like, and, and I imagine that is the way that Francis would have felt to some degree, right? Especially, especially when you think more so to the true life events that he had such a hard time making it. You could imagine he definitely had like some some anxieties to like, is this like, is this going to flop me? Like, am I going to like... Yeah, well, it, it's a, it, like, it, it's a, it was a massive risk. Like a three-hour film from, you know, and like I say, it is a big risk, and I'm sure he was bricking it. And like, <laughs> as you know, as we know, he, he didn't have the easiest of time making it. Yeah. So, yeah. So they then rock. What, oh. No, no, you go. I was just gonna say what I like. What I like. It was typical Francis of this show. Is he hears the applause? He's like, oh, they love it, but he's like, they love it. He's going, and then Francis does his usual self-deprecating thing of, yeah, but what about the critics? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> have a moment, Francis. Enjoy this little bit. Yeah. So that's when they 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 rush out to to get like the first paper. So. I would have imagined, like, there would have been. This was met. Yeah, there would have been some time elapsed. They wouldn't. They couldn't have got to a. They a, a review wouldn't have been written and printed that quickly. Like, well, this is another one of those examples of the mental time scale of this. How they the time jumps in this show because they're still in the suits and stuff. It's like they literally run at the cinema and someone throws a paper up. Which, like, they, nobody's. Nobody's left yet. You would imagine there would have been like them, like, and there would have been even more tension with the fact that like they would have had to have waited till like the wee hours of the morning. Like, do you know what I mean? We're talking yeah. like, six o'clock in the like five, six o'clock in the morning, like to get yeah. that. I, I, like, I'm not a writer, but I don't know why we couldn't have had it. They, they leave and they we have one of those scenes that we they quite like having of them in a coffee shop, for instance. Yeah. Just them chatting over a coffee and then going, you could have had, I don't know, you see that hours later, so you, you're aware that it's hours later, them seeing the newspapers being delivered and they're going, right, now. But instead, it makes it seem like they just ran out and grabbed a paper. Yeah, or like a montage of them, like, do you know yeah, I mean? like anything. coffee cups getting filled up, like loads of coffee cups and they're like... Yeah, Francis. Loads of cigarettes. The tie's been like taken mm. off. Do you know what I mean? They're looking a bit dishevelled, or like they're they them at like the after party, like kind of a bit like checking their watches. Like, oh, yeah, fucking hell, when's it? Like, yeah, we really need to know about these reviews. And then, yeah, it, as I said, it would have been like five, six o'clock in the morning before you even yeah. before a paper is like an immediate review is out. Um, so it properly doesn't make sense. Yeah. It does lead to this this great scene when they, because yeah, uh, Francis is anxious to see what the critics say. What does it say? What does it say? The Godfather fans Brando's old flame. The old irresistible magic is revived in Paramount's The Godfather. The immensity of the project must have been staggering. 
Thank you. Thank you. But producer Albert S. Ruddy, director Francis Ford Coppola, and screenwriter Mario Puzo with Coppola make it seem easy. Elements of excitement and suspense are sustained in the high peaks of the story. Gangland strategy, vendettas, violence, yeah. revenge. Beautiful, thank you. Hey, Al. You need to look at this. Fucking Waldo Salt. The Godfather is a stunning production. There never has been and probably never will be an ending as wondrously wrought as the unforgettable climax of The Godfather. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> so what did you make of that montage? Because I, I, I thought it was pretty effective. I, li I like to see that uh, we get a call back to Bob Evans going into the... To, the, to his favourite um, restaurant and everyone applauding him like we saw when Love Story yeah. came out. It's a good callback. I liked it. Uh, yeah. And then we, which makes the scene of Ruddy and Francis grabbing the papers seem a bit pointless and an odd choice because you could have just had this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You could have just had them getting the reviews. Another one, but yeah, I, I, I like it's just all the build up now to having just in the wave of excitement about the Godfather, and you are kind of as a as a viewer and someone who's watched the ten episodes, you are kind of swept up in it. Yeah, definitely. And like, what what, what do you think of the other things we see in the montage? Obviously, with Barry gets a a marionette puppet from Bob Evans. Marionette, it's funny, and um, in the yeah, so and this montage as well. We see um, Bob getting the um, the card off Francis. A picture of him in his new car. Oh, but in his him. new car. Thanks, Bob. You promised me the fifty million. Once we hit the fifty million mark, the fifty million dollar. Yeah, so it's it, it, it a lot of callbacks, and it's yeah. Roddy's nice office is full of flowers, like flowers. Like... Yeah, it's it's fun and. Again, is it that Bob sending Barry the um, the marionette? It's a funny gag, and the Bob of this show it seems an absolutely Bob move. You know, <laughs> it, it's funny. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice montage. One thing that doesn't quite sit right with me is if anyone should have sent him that. Would I? It feels like more of a Bob move. It's like. But like within the context of the show, the the argument about the kind of marionette strings was with Ruddy. You know, he's like, he's like, yeah, oh, yeah, like it looks like a swash sticker. He's like, it's not a fucking swash sticker, Barry. The marionette strings, like, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I completely forgot about that whole exchange. So yeah, that would make more sense because that was the that was a fucking great line. That was yeah. <laughs> So Ruddy, then yeah, we move on to the dust is settling. Ruddy, Ruddy's hell bent on making new moves, and he's having a meeting with Burt Reynolds. What did 
What did you make of the guy playing Burt Reynolds? Were you, were you, were you sold by him? Did he look like Big Burt? Um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't look a lot. But no, it's funny because, it, again, so he was just it. So I, have, I, I understand that we need to, this, this ruddy subplot of, because it'll come, we'll see why. But I don't think we need as much about this film as we had when we, again, we've we've lost other things. This is it. Yeah. This whole subplot of him wanting to make the the longest yard is easily a one scene chat. Mm-hmm. Or uh, which could have been done and dusted. Yeah. Or just give. The- it's only. It's yeah. Or just giving the audience a bit of homework of, oh, I wonder what Al Ruddy did after this. Yeah. Some allusions to it and or it, something. Like. It's only for the purpose of, again, one exchange later on that we'll get to. So we didn't don't need any of this Burt Reynolds stuff. Or really, you could have had that chat that he's had with Betty and go, oh, Burt Reynolds will be good. Hmm, I wonder. Done. Mm. Well, there's some... We've said it a million times, but like they just make some strange narrative choices <laughs> on the things they decide to focus on. Because like the last half of the last, uh, it's a big chunk of the last half of this episode, which seems to be focused on Ruddy making this film that we're not there for. Yeah, Jimmy, we've done ten episodes about the Godfather. And the making of the Godfather, and they decided in the finale to already go. Yeah, but did do other stuff. Yeah, or like it's setting up for like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, setting up for like a sequel series. And it's like a people's appetite that wet to see like a making of the Longest Yard series. Like, it doesn't have the same like lore no. and kind of like reverence that the Godfather does. Well, not. I've forgotten it existed until I watched this. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've gone, oh, yeah, the longest yard. We've talked about it. Like, yeah. I, 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 yeah, it was just, again, one of these three. But, again, I think it's down to the fact that this is Al Ruddy's story. I'll be honest. I've, so you, I've never – the only version of the longest yard I've seen – well, no, I've seen two no, other versions no. of the longest yard. I've seen Mean Machine and I've seen yeah. the Adam Sandler – Person. Adam Sandler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, Unless that, yeah, that's yeah. I I I don't think I've seen the longest yard. So, uh, was it called the longest yard, or was it Mean Machine, the Burt Reynolds one? It's called the longest yard. And then the Mean Machine. Mean Machine is, is the British one. Millie Jones, yeah. Yeah, so I've never seen the... No, I don't think I've seen the Burt Reynolds version. So, no, I absolutely wouldn't be watching 10 episodes of the making of Burt Reynolds' The Longest Yard. So I don't know why we had any of this. Because <laughs> part of me was like, can we... You know, I've watched 10 episodes about The Godfather. Can we get to, back to The Godfather stuff? Yeah. One thing, though, we do get in this scene from... And I think, it, yeah, it's part of Miles Teller's performance. It's not even... It's, it's within the writing and... Obviously, them showing that 
Al Ruddy still has this tenacity and like kind of strong arming people into things. Do you know what I mean? Like when he kind of says to him like, and like trying to get him um, to be in like a, a a prison picture and he's like, oh, Al Pacino told me about you and he's like, I'll fucking be there with you every step of the way. Like he's like really like amping it up and he's like, he's like, he's like yeah. But again, yeah. And it, yeah, Al said if there's anyone, Al Pacino said that if you, there's anyone you want in your corner looking after you, it's Al Ruddy. Did he though? Yeah, 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 yeah. Did he? Come on. And that's the kind of that's the that's the kicker to get him to sign on to the movie. Um, then we get we, we get some things moving forward with a pitch. From two extraordinary gentlemen. Part two. We're calling it part two. Well, I love it. Sells the saga. To come on, what, what are you thinking? Vito Corleone is not dead. I'm sorry? They put him in the fucking ground. What are you talking about? Is he a ghost? Because Brad will not, will not play a fucking ghost. <laughs> the old man is dead. But the young man who first comes to America is alive. It takes place turn of the century, young immigrant Vito, who, with a sense of justice and brutality, becomes the feared and powerful businessman. It's still a commentary on capitalism. Ruddy doesn't like it. You don't like it? No, no, I, I, I think everything you guys are saying sounds great, but, uh, I mean, no Michael. No Michael? Uh, of course, Michael. He, he's the Don now. Oh, thank fuck. It takes place in the two time periods, so we can play the juxtaposition of Vito Corleone building up his family, his empire, while Michael watches his family fracture. It's just like this country as it hurtles toward the 60s. Well, I can see you have given this much thought. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Come on, keep going. You got me. I'm, I'm interested. How much did that scene make you want a series two just to see more of Francis and Pooza? 100%. That's all I was thinking doing their whole pitch. I was thinking, I want more of this. <laughs> I want another series of this. Because, yeah, and the whole, yeah. I, I, I want another series where they make The Godfather 2. But they have less of Alwadi's input. Well, we'll get on to you know, like, that being a very, yeah. a, a very possible because, case. Yeah. So, like, I, I, yeah, this is all the things in this episode. Because it, it, it is the finale, so it does sum up the series perfectly. Because it's exactly what the whole series has been. It's like a caper, uh, bouncing around the place. It's all a bit borderline ridiculous. Where you go, this is not a thing. But I'm enjoying it. And yeah, and the best stuff is the stuff with Francis and the the, the scenes where you have people both of it and it it's also this final episode contains the stuff that the worst stuff, the stuff that hasn't worked for me. Mm -hmm. So yeah. It is a good finale in a way, because it's got a bit of everything from the show, <laughs> whether that be good or bad. <laughs> 
So the next scene we get is Al Roddy and Bob Evans, which I don't know, like, first time, yeah, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, is this going to be like the closing scene between these two? Like, because it, it's quite quite a quite a good, like, poignant scene between them two, like, on Oscar nominations night, sitting, having a, like, having a drink, and I think Bob Evans says, like, yeah, it's a special drink for a special occasion. Like, uh, which, um... He, he re- yeah, so they... Which, they, which they, we're doing, right? We got a special drink for a special, special occasion. Drink, special occasion. This yeah. is the finale of uh, The Offer. So, yeah, um... Which I must say is going down an absolute treat. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lovely little. It's a lovely little drop this week. He doesn't just know how to make a film, old Francis. He knows how to make a bloody, nah. bloody nice glass of wine. Fair yes. play to him. It's a, it's a talented lad, um, and he knows how to pick a suit. What a guy! Um, yeah, this scene of them sitting down, just a pair of them for nomination. The, the announcement of the nominations is yeah, the nominations for the Oscars and it's quite again it's a funny scene because Bob gives you the whole thing doesn't matter we've got this we've got the highest grossing film we've already won and then they both it's a nice little shot where they he says we've already won and then it says and the nominations are and they both spin around and plonk down ready to watch it yeah, yeah and the, then the nominations come out and they have they have uh, have this discussion I'm only going to say this, buddy. I want this so bad, I would fuck the entire academy if I have to. What happened to we already won? <laughs> sure, sure. But there are other prizes to be had now. You still talking about the Oscars? Hey, I got plans. I've just been waiting for the right time, and that right time is coming soon to a theater near you. Thank you. And for you, too. Oscar changes everything. You're in a different category now. This is your moment. And when they call the nominations for Best Picture, it'll be your ugly bug on TV, not mine. You. Unless, of course, I'm sitting next to you. Which, by the way, I'll be sitting next to you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. People are going to start promising you things. They're going to whine and dine you. But between all the glamour and all the bullshit, remember, you hold the keys. It's what you want that matters. Trust your gut. So what got you here? I told you once, some people have brains, some people have balls, but you have both. Don't forget that. Salud. Stevie Phillips wants to say... So, yeah, we, we mentioned the nominations. So this film in total got 11 nominations at the... Um, 45th Academy Awards and I'll quickly list them out for you so it got nominated for Best Picture, Best Director Best Actor with Marlon Brando, Best Supporting Actor, James Kahn, Robert Duvall and Al Pacino, Best Adapted Screenplay, Mario Puzo and Francis Ford Coppola Best Costume Design, Anna Hill Johnson Best Film Editing William Reynolds and Peter Zinner Best Sound, uh, Brad Grensback, Peter Portland, uh, Richard Portland, and Christopher Newman, and Best Original Score score for Nino Rota. So that's a that's a that's a that's a heavy list. Eleven nominations. That's that's pretty fucking good. <laughs> it's 
It's a pretty good haul, isn't it? 11. Because what's... It's got to be up in like the high end of most nominated films. Yeah, I'm not sure what... Um... I've got a feeling there's some... I'm trying to think there was something that did like 13 or 14 in it. But it's got to be... It's, it's top end like of most nominated, surely. And that's got to be pretty unprecedented as well, that supporting actor category. The fact that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it gets the, it gets touched on later on in the episode. And we'll, yeah. We'll get to that when it's, and it, it comes down to Oscar voting and uh, stuff like that. Um, I'm just trying to see. Ah, oh, it doesn't, no. Uh, I think there's a more impressive one in the fact that there is a film that got nominated for 11 and won all 11. Ah, okay. Which is... Um, uh, da, 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 Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Ah, okay. I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, all About Eve had 14 nominations. Titanic had 14 nominations. La La Land had 14 nominations. Gone with the Wind, 13. From here to La La Land had 14. Forrest Gump had 13. Shakespeare in Love, 13 nominations. Shambles, isn't it? Fellowship of the Ring, 13 nominations. Chicago, 13 nominations. Shape of Water, 13 nominations. Mrs. Miniver, 12 nominations. Songs of Bernadette, 12 nominations. On the Waterfront, 12 nominations. Ben-Hur, 12. My Ah, Family, 12. Dances with Wolves, 12. Schindler's List, 12. The English Patient, 12. Yeah, Gladiator, 12. Yeah, there's been a lot. King's Speech got 12 nominations. That's been a lot. Oh, no. Power of the Dog had 12 yeah. nominations. Yeah, there's a... No, I just, I just assumed, yeah, obviously not. The original ah. West Side Story had 11. Uh, let me see. Oh, Oliver. 1968's Oliver. Godfather Part 2 also had 11 nominations. Oh, so it's good to know that The Godfather is as good as Forrest Gump. Well, it, but by nominations, it's worse. Oh yeah, Forrest Gump is a better film than The Godfather. Yeah, we've learned anything today. That's what we've learned. Yeah, it's obviously yeah, shit, isn't it? As is Chicago. Joker also has eleven nominations. Joker can fuck right off. I'm afraid. Ridiculous. But yeah, I just assumed eleven was a lot, but then I forget that the Oscars are fucking mental. So, yeah. Joker had how many? Eleven. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, the 1970 film Patton has ten nominations. I only bring this up because one of those nominations was for Best Screenplay, and it was won by Francis Ford Coppola. Oh. Which is, again, something that I don't think was mentioned in this show, that he got uh yeah 
hit, that was one of the things that people, uh, I think it is mentioned quite early on, like very briefly, but yeah, that's something that kind of got him onto this film. The fact they had won an Oscar for. I didn't. Uh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. Cause they do, I think they do mention it really urgently that he's an Oscar, but I didn't know it was for Pat. Yeah. 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 So, so, so there's that. Um, so the next day, Ruddy and Betty have a chat and um, she lists all the things on his slate and he says he's worried about part two swallowing up all his time as he can't do stuff halfway. He's like, if I'm going to do the longest yard, I need to be all in. I can't just co-produce. I can't just produce two films at once because nah, hey, he's all you, in. you know me. You know me. I'm. Uh, there's no half measures with me. I'm a. I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. Um, and he leaves her on an ominous note. He says, "What? What, what did he say to her, Will?" So he. Yeah. Doesn't he not say? Doesn't he imply that? I may have got this wrong now because I'm trying to remember the actual. Doesn't he imply that he wants to do something else? With He's that, and he says to all her, in on. He says yeah. to her, "Meet me at this address at two. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Which like, he gives hands her a piece of paper and says, "Meet me at the address." Yeah, which is a bit like, "All right, all right, Ruddy, chill out, mate." Uh, what do you make of the as our Ruddy leaves? He has that encounter with the the young the young kid. What 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 did you make right. of this scene? I was going to ask you this because, but then I've looked. So I thought again. I thought this was a this name. I was supposed to know the name and go. Oh, that's he. That becomes. But is that not? I don't like the. the the kid is not like I assumed when he said that his name, I was supposed to go, Oh shit, that's the guy who ended up, I don't know, directing something. But obviously not, because I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think so. Yeah, what is No, name? because he specifically says his name, and that's what made me go, Oh, maybe which I probably should have looked at. But the fact that he said his name in full, I thought, oh, I'm supposed to know this guy is. And it was, his name was Eddie. But yeah, Eddie's Eddie. I can't think. But yeah, I specifically, I thought, oh, that name is supposed to ring a bell or it's supposed to be another one of these, not, not angels, but another nod to something. Eddie, Eddie Kirkland, Eddie Curlin, Eddie Curlin, or Kirkland, it could be Eddie Curlin. So I assumed it was a thing because if it's not, it's a bit of an odd scene again. Just to go, it was to remind us, I suppose, that, that Reddy came from nowhere and kind of strong armed his way in to meeting Bob. And but yeah. So yeah, Eddie Curland. In real life, Eddie Curland did not work with Al Roddy. Mm. But the, the reason this character is in the uh, 
The reason that this character is in the show is a fictional creation that is not based on any real person. While it is possible that Ruddy taught a member of young Hollywood producers, uh, yeah, uh, the legendary days in Hollywood. Yeah, no. He's, so, uh, the title fabrication. Again, yeah, again, it's a really weird choice because it's a pointless scene. Yeah, like, it's just another thing to make Al Roddy look like a, a fucking yeah, look, like stand-up a, guy. And like, excuse me, the fact that it is there is no relevance to him, it just seems like a wild choice where someone didn't go, just leave that, mate. Yeah. You don't need to know that. Because, yeah, I automatically assumed, oh, it's going to be at the end, we go, and Eddie became turned up he ended up being the director of the oscar with it but no apparently not he's just a guy <laughs> so yeah i don't I, yeah so it's just basically there for our ready to go look like a cool guy again yeah, a good yeah, guy yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. is it like we'll get to it but it comes in comes to, is it eddie is basically the caterer isn't he working for catering and he says al i've um, I've been following, I've seen The Godfather six times and I just want to be part of it if you make The Godfather too. And he's like, yeah, okay, leave you. Because he said, oh, um, well, isn't this how you started, Mr. Ruddy? Yeah, yeah, Didn't yeah. you just... Uh... So Al gives that look and goes, okay, kid, leave your name and number with the at Your the friend, desk. Yeah. Or I'll get back to you if anything comes up. You know, I wonder where this might go. <laughs> so... um we move on to Bob Evans having dinner with Charlie and Barry. And he has a proposition for them. So what does this mean? You, you're quitting? No. Well, what does he mean? I don't understand. I think what Bob is pitching is he remained the head of Paramount while also enjoying a five-picture deal as a producer. Did I get that right? Nail on the head, Barry. What? That's, that's... You did it, Bob. Charlie's speechless. <laughs> that's two jobs. How are you going to do two jobs? That's unheard of. No. No? What do you mean, no? I can't get him to shut up, and now he's giving me one-word answers? Again, what Bob is saying is it's not unprecedented. Daryl Zanuck did it at 20th. Oh, now he's Daryl Zanuck. You're Daryl Zanuck. There's a difference. Daryl Zanuck didn't develop the highest-grossing movie of all time. What do you got to lose, Charlie? I'll make you money in both roles. I double down, you double down. And what's the worst that could happen? Does it work out? You get the pleasure of killing me twice instead of once. <laughs> <laughs> picked Oscar night on purpose. Oh. Why do you want to do this, Bob? I want my name on the poster. Is 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 that a justifiable reason? You reckon? To that's a ballsy move, isn't it? I want to be the head of Paramount and also actually actively produce movies. It's a baller move, but it's 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 Bob in it. Bob, if anyone can do it, Bob can do it. Yeah, of course he can. And I like the fact that, like. Um, the tables have totally turned. It's Barry, the totally fictional character, is now in 
Bob's Bob's corner as opposed to Charlie's. He's like, yeah, no, Bob, Bob can fucking keep, do this. Like. I keep forgetting as well that he's totally fictional. <laughs> Which kind of makes it even more weird that they decided to give him any kind of like arc in the last episode. <laughs> it's pointless. Well, he, his, he is... ca- his character, I think, throughout the whole show has just served multiple different purposes. Like when they needed a villain, yeah. he could be the villain. When they needed somebody to come up with like, yeah, because he, he's he, the guy to come up with the idea. Like, he has no specific character trait anymore. He's just like you say. He's just a conduit for other other storylines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when they need like, because I'm sure it like would have been motor like this. This would have been. He's probably like a composite of different people. Yeah, or like a composite of characters, character traits of people that we do see. Like he's there's probably a bit of char the the real Charlie in him. There's probably a bit of like the the Paramount marketing team. There's probably like, do you know what I mean? He's kind of a figurehead for so mm. many different things that, that that would have actually happened. That they just yeah. kind of go, and oh, they... we'll roll it into this one guy instead. One guy. And we'll we'll call him Lapidus because I've got this really funny line about <laughs> Lapinus. <laughs> yeah, it's all about those yeah. cheap gags. Let's let's yeah. get to that. Uh so we move to Betty and Al's meeting in this abandoned office. What What is the reason that he has called her to this office space? So, there's a big office space that he's taking her to, and um, Betty says, this is weird, Al. This is like the kind of place you take someone to murder them. And there's a bit of banter. And then Al does his earnest thing. This is no, Betty. This is yours. This is your office. This is yours for your agency. And she's like, why? I can't take your money. And he goes, no, it's an investment. I've paid the rent for the next two years so you can live your dream. And then he sprouts wings and just flies off like the angel he is. <laughs> so, well, well, yeah. yeah. His good deed doing is not done yet because he's like, "Oh no!" Well, you thought you thought that was good. Here's a cherry on the cake. You're gonna mm-hmm. be my date for the fucking Oscars. Oscars, yeah. So, no, yeah, go on. So, what? Do, yeah, what did you make of like? Because I think it is like it's it's great to see. Obviously, I don't believe like these things happen to the real Betty McCart, but for the version in this show. It's great to see this moment of like, do you know what I mean? Like her being well, yeah, for... brought up to the big league. She's going to the Oscars and she's like, she gets to put on a, a a nice dress and kind of get slapped up for the night and like, yeah, yeah. And it's it. There's a there's a nice exchange where she says, uh, "For one one time, one time only, I'll let you open the door for me." Yeah, lovely, lovely bit of stuff. And again, like. We are the, the Juno Temple fan club. But she's great. And, yeah, it, it, it it's nice to see her have that moment going to the Oscars. And like you say, she's dressed up and Al does the whole thing. Like, oh, who's who's this lady? I was looking for Betty McCutton. Like, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, 
the whole thing about him paying the rent now for two years, uh, it's another one of those moments you go, fuck, right now, mate, we know, okay, you're a good guy. Stop telling us now. So the thing is, yeah, Betty McCart has since, has, yeah, passed away at the age of 81 um, in... Um, Nineteen? No, no, nineteen. Uh, why can't I find out? <laughs> ah, two thousand and thirteen. So, yeah, there is. Yeah, I guess there's no like there's no way of verifying it with her. Of like, did this actually happen? And yeah, unfortunately, there's not too much about her in on the internet. A lot of the stuff that comes up when you type in Betty McCart is is stuff to do with the show and <laughs> a lot of them it's are like not, is betty mccart a real person <laughs> like <laughs> if that is not the case that he didn't pay for her massive office space for two years to set her up again al ruddy has managed to take credit for her whole career. Yeah, he's achieved it. Yeah. Yeah. He's managed to do that again. Like he's done for like everything in this in these in this entire series, somehow you can connect it back to a good deed that Al Ruddy has done. So he's basically gone, oh, I was amazing that, that it, you know, the show was gone, it's amazing. Betty became this um Al Ruddy has gone, yeah, but not unless I'd done that fucking good deed I paid for her, that huge office space for two years and you know kind of set her up and she probably she probably met some of the people she was an agent for at the Oscars when I took her you're like fucking hell Al well the whole thing is like it's played that nothing like the Godfather doesn't get made if it's not for Al Ruddy like like every decision kind of is run through yeah. him like and like every but everything in the show no, nobody would have anything going on if it wasn't for something Al Ruddy did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he like, <laughs> yeah. It he he saw it, Betty's career out. He, the entire of the Godfather is down to him. Um, he basically sorted out the mafia. The mafia Al Ruddy sorted out. They sorted that out because they were all happy because he sorted out. You know, they're back. At, he he's done everything. Al is I just yeah, which is fine. But you do have to think, fuck it out, mate. Take a day off. We get it. We get it. Yeah, we get like, it. You're you're a good guy. Yeah, even you know the break, the Francois that she fucked off, but we we've brushed over that. And he even managed. He has this one line in this episode, I think, where he says, "Oh, and that's why you know me and Francois didn't work out because I'm so focused on like." Basically, he says, I'm so focused on helping other people, my relationships don't work. You know, fucking shut up. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's 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 how that's what he does. He's just a good guy. So, let's get to the night of the Oscars. And, yeah. um, so yeah, what do you think of the way that it's kind of this is like, I don't know, put, yeah, put together, I guess, in a way, like the the whole thing of like 
I don't know the way. Yeah, the, now, the way it's filmed, like it's just them at their seats, right? Yeah, it's exactly what they've done. You can't. So that Oscars is iconic because it's the Godfather, and they do again that clever thing of like they don't make they don't, it's not a reconstruction of it. It's just their the gang's reactions to it. But I would say there was quite a big thing that happened at Oscars, which I assumed would be made more of in this because of the IMDb description of this episode, a drama at the Oscars mm. that they just brush over completely. And what is that big thing that they brush over? Marlon Brando wasn't there. And he had a, someone, um, I can't remember the name, but someone come out and accept this acceptance speech, do an acceptance speech for him and crashed the whole thing, basically. And it's just not even mentioned well, just, in passing. They go, oh, that's it. Well, they, yeah, so Sashin Littlefeather it, came out and kind yeah. of did like a speech all about the way that native people were treated. Like by treated in the industry. Yeah. Which is quite a big thing. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna bother doing the Oscars for that film, this it's such a it's dealt with so weirdly because they it the way the scene works is they basically run through Francis loses, doesn't get best director, but wins best screenplay. They kind of run through the reactions of each thing yeah. being each nomination being read out. And then they're all there and they go, and Marlon Brando's not here to, and they go, oh, this will be interesting. Gone. Move on to the next one. That's it. Betty McCartney Mac- says, this will make for interesting. Well, apparently not, because you're not even going to bother dealing with it. <laughs> Which I just thought was a strange choice, considering this pretty iconic moment. Oh, yeah, it's massive. Yeah. It's a massive like even, moment within. Yeah, with the in the entire lore of the Godfather and the, well, like Marlon Oscar Brando history, like do you know what I mean? It's like... yeah, it's huge, and like, and the fact how they, I don't know, it's just weird because they they dealt with Marlon Brando as like this, like we've said, it it was quite humorous that he was almost like a mythical character on the set of the Godfather, where he would just appear and do this his weird little monologues and things. But again, they've completely didn't bother with him. And there's no, there was no sign of any of them at the Oscars. It's weird. It's just a strange choice to not have that as a thing. Like, the, no mention of him until that nomination be read out of him not being there. Well, yeah. yeah, I just didn't get it. Well, the fact that James Caan, Robert Duvall and Al Pacino were nominated... Hmm. There's no mention of their nomination like coming in. There's no like oh, there's, no, there's no sign of them at all. <laughs> so I mean you've got them you've got them all there. You've 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 had them in the show. You've had you've got the actors there who's playing them. So it wouldn't be weird for them to, for us to all of a sudden go, Oh, is that supposed to be them playing? Because we've seen them. Yeah. So why not have them sit in there? Or have them I don't know, in the I don't know, just something. But they totally go over a huge part of the story. Yeah. Why were they not like in the 
fair, we do have a massive focus on Al Ruddy getting his Oscar. Yeah, so Al Ruddy, so the, yeah, the, the, the Godfather, yeah. just in case you didn't know and you've listened to this much of this uh, series, the the Godfather won best picture that year. Uh, that year. Um, when watching it, because I don't, I don't, I don't know. I might be, I might be like, I did know that it won best picture, but then like, I don't know if I got too swept up in the show. I was like, oh shit, maybe it didn't. Like, <laughs> well, no, I I absolutely did that because for a minute I couldn't remember if it did so i was like hang on did cabaret win is it one of these big upsets i don't remember I was like oh did and then it obviously did win i was like oh yeah of course it did it's but yeah for a moment i was like hang on a minute did francis four copland not get a director and did it not win best picture oh fuck but it did but when it does win best picture al obviously goes to collect the Oscar and it is mental. It's in, it's mental. I mean, look, whatever it's, that's how the vibe of the show, but it's in slow-mo. There is, he is. <laughs> right. So he's in slow-mo. He goes up, is bathed in light. The spotlight is on him and they shoot it like, from the back of him holding his Oscar, they shoot it like that is an iconic image that we all know. Yeah. And it's absolutely not, because I wouldn't have a fucking clue. They treat that moment already winning his Oscar in with the lens flare, the spotlight on him, the slow-mo. And yeah, there is a shot, which is almost like they think it's the Rocky on the steps. It's his silhouette holding the Oscar. And I, I, I partly thought, this is how this show is going to fucking end, with a freeze frame of him with holding his Oscar in the air. We're going to go, fuck me. It's the Al Ripley. That's it. So, but, yeah, it's strange, considering everything else that went on in Oscars, to have that as the main focus. Shall we Shall we hear what Al Roddy's acceptance speech was, seeing as this show skips I over it? To. So this is this is what Al Ruddy had to say for himself at the forty fifth Oscars when he won. Um... Albert S. Ruddy, Godfather. <laughs> Don't fail me now. Okay, man. We're all getting nervous there for a moment. Let me do this quickly in two parts because I know it's past midnight in New York and some of my relatives want to go to sleep. There are a number of people I would like to thank, as everyone else would, because they deserve it. Bob Evans for giving more than any studio head should in time and creativity. Frank Yablons for having the courage and imagination to sell his film and make my mother rich. Charlie Bludorn for having the courage to finance films, which I guess borders on insanity. And Peter Bart, who was a friend all the way through. Now, last thought. 
there's millions of people who sit out there and people who love film and want to make film that look at this and wonder what it's all about. America needs the motion picture business and the motion picture business needs the United States. Good audiences need good films as good films need good audiences. The American dream and what we all want, for me at least, is represented by this. It's there for everybody if we want to work, dream, and try to get it. Thank you very much. So, what do you what do you what do you make of Albert S. Ruddy's actual speech? And have you have you seen a photo of what Albert S. Ruddy looked like in 1973? I haven't. No, I should have looked. <laughs> I will say one thing: he did not look like Miles Teller. No. So, what 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 what? what? What do you reckon he looked like? Well, if he doesn't look like Miles Teller, I th- I'm going to have to Google it because I'm, I'm afraid to say. Well, wait no, wait no longer, Will. Got a photo coming to you right now. This is going to be a live, a live reaction to what Albert S. Roddy actually looks like. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he doesn't look like a Miles Teller, does he? <laughs> no. Um, seeing that photo and hearing that acceptance speech, I wonder if Al Ruddy had a some kind of idea of who he wanted to play him and went, yeah, I definitely look like Miles Teller. And they were like, hmm? Or, or, yeah, or Army Hammer. Who? <laughs> oh, yeah, because... <laughs> I forgot it Army Hammer. Yeah, that's mental, isn't it? Yeah, that meeting where I already went, you know I think I should pay me? Army Hammer. <laughs> Army Hammer. Yeah, okay, Al. Yeah, that's fine. Because, fuck me, he doesn't look anything like Army Hammer or Miles Teller. In fact, Miles Teller looks nothing like Army Hammer. So I think Al really just went, if I can't have Army Hammer, I'll have Miles Teller. And they went, Miles Teller? Yeah, okay, Al. Yeah, that's fine, yeah. Get me a good-looking Hollywood star. I'll have them, do you know what I mean? Al Tom Cruise is too expensive. Try again. Army Hammer? <laughs> yeah. Mental. That, yeah. <laughs> Who would you have had play already? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think like. A young Larry David? I'm trying to think here who he looks like. Well, he looks a bit like Chili Gonzalez. Do you know what Chili Gon? Do you know Chili Gonzalez? I do. Yeah. That's, so when this that's episode close. goes out, there will be in like follow me on the socials. I will do I will do a post with a side by side of Al Ruddy winning his Oscar and Chili Gonzalez because they look so similar. Yeah. And it makes me think how old 
was Albert Ruddy when he won his Oscar. Well, yeah, because... Yeah, I don't know. But that's kind of... I'm glad I didn't see that photo before watching the show because I would have... I would have checked out. Ah, oh, this is no. But again, I think this is again a purely. Uh, it just goes to show how already central this show is that even his version of himself is bullshit. <laughs> even his view of himself as was either Army Hammer or Miles Teller, and nobody went. Al, like, we need to talk about your decisions here. And you don't look like either of them, mate. And you definitely didn't. Instead, they went, yeah, okay. Yeah. So he was, when this this Oscars would happen, he was 42. Yeah. Miles Teller is great in it. He is great. I, I really enjoy Miles Teller's performance, but I do question why the fuck Miles Teller is playing already in this now. Well, I think it's a, a fact of, like, it needs to be sexed up right, and the fact that not many people know what Albert Ruddy looks like. They're like, we'll, we'll, get, yeah. we'll, get, we'll get someone sexy in the role. Yeah, I guess so. And... As we know, already in this show is the hero of the the moment, sexy hero. So yeah, I get it. But yeah, after seeing that photo, it's definitely a choice. So after already's hero moment, where where do we go to next? So yeah, after um, Ruddy Spielberg in lens flare and that and stuff, we go to straight to the after party where Bob is in full Bob Evans mode. He is absolutely bobbing it. He's holding court. He's it's Bob Evans in it, and it's great to see. And he does a toast right, and I love the fake out he does where he's like, "I need to call out the unsung yeah. hero of the Godfather." Yeah. Peter Bart. And it's like, yeah, our boy Peter Bart yeah. gets some shine. Get, like, get in his moment. Yeah, which was great. I lo- I, 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 lo- I loved Peter Bart. And then and then he closes the he closes the toast by like congratulating Al Ruddy and everything he did. Of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> of course. Oh, and I love his closing line for the toast as well. It's like as our as our Italian friends would say, chin fucking chin. Chin fucking chin. Nice. What did but you... Yeah, it's, it's... No, God, I'm saying it's proper. I think you needed this at the end, like towards the end of this episode in the finale to have Bob having his Bob Evans moment again. Because those moments early on, I mean, it was great to see him, not great to see him do it, but to show the range of it, the... Uh, Matthew McFadden acting in the, the way is Matthew McFadden. No, 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 Matthew Good. No, Matthew Good. Who's Matthew McFadden? That's um, su- Succession. Yeah. Matthew Good. 
turns out a copper of wine is really good. <laughs> so Matthew Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. So Matthew Good, it just shows because it was great to see him doing his range. So like mm-hmm. when he was depressed and sad and that, superb. But towards the finale, you want to see Bob Evans being Bob Evans. Yeah. And this is exactly what this is. That line, this chin fucking chin, it's great. It's Peak Evans. Yeah, it's it, it's great. And I love I love his schmoozing and like it's kind of like he he's still playing the kind of game as well. He's like, We'll be back in a few years with the Godfather part two and do it all over again. Which yeah. uh, and and at the party as well, we get like yeah, we get that scene between Peter and Betty, which I found quite interesting because it's like our two audience surrogates have kind of converged to have a conversation and kind of like give us an exposition dump about stuff that okay. happened at the Oscars. That's exactly what I've written in my notes. Um, Betty and Bart, it's exposition time. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, because that's all that, again, which makes that choice of the Oscars going out, washing over that even more weirder. Because they, they take the time to bother having this exposition done about it. Mm-hmm. So why not just cover it? Why just, just do it? Because it, it is, and it's considering we're in the, the final moments of the finale, really, right, building up to the end, they don't disappoint by having an incredibly clunky moment, and this is it. Because it is clunky. Yeah. They basically go, I can't believe that Duval and Khan were nominated and they didn't get any. Yeah, oh, that's is. because they split the vote. <laughs> you know, like, like it's, a conversa- it, it's a conversation no one has had ever yeah. all like that because they're not even having a conversation. They're both just saying stuff. To, they may as well just go, just leave out a card and say, right, we, we didn't cover this, so we're just going to tell you now, all right? It's the kind of stuff that's said on podcasts in 2022. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, why didn't that happen? Oh, yeah, it's because they were nominated, same film. We're like, we're, we're all so savvy about how the Oscars work that, like, of course, like, if two people are nominated for the same film, they're going to split the vote. And it's like, if three people, it's like, yeah, it's the shit. Like, we all know that now. Like, people who are, like, cine-savvy sa- are going to go, yeah, of course, it's going to split the vote. Like, and it just felt it's like a, a, let's play to the cheap seats here, the people who don't know how that kind of stuff works. And it's like, but I think that's pretty, but I didn't set up that they were nominated for that. It kind of felt like, no, that's what I mean. There, 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 surely like there was a better way of doing it. It felt like an asterisk to something. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, by yeah. the way, this like 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 we forgot to mention it. Like, let's mention it now. It was the equivalent of the footnotes. Yeah, like a PS. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's. It's another one of those, like I said, those clunky moments where, even as someone who doesn't like, I, you could think of better ways of doing it. You could have had that conversation before the Oscars, where even in passing, someone went, Bob, and they said, oh, it's great they've got the nominations, but, you know, we're going to be in trouble because it's going to, what if it splits the vote? And you go, all right, yeah, because that could happen. But instead, you have this weird scene of them, and they they just run down the, yeah, they do that, and then they say, and yeah, what about Marlon not turning up? That was crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) What are you talking about? 
yeah, it was just bizarre, again, a bizarre choice, which makes me wonder if it was just added an added scene because they didn't cover it. <laughs> Because it, 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 well, it comes really out of nowhere. Anywhere, and does does, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like no, it comes nothing. It's like it's like literally, like you said, like a footnote where someone's gone. Oh shit! We forgot about explaining why none of them won. I know we'll do. You two sit down and read this. Yeah, and then <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah. Because Betty has a chat with Charlie again. That's kind of a bit nothingy. It's kind of like yeah. Oh yeah, it's been good knowing you. Yeah, like kind of, kind of like conversation. And the same guy. So he just, yeah, he says like, "Oh, it turns out you are a real girl." Yeah. And she says, "Yeah, chin, fucking chin." You know, it's a bit of a, yeah, it's not the best close off for some of these characters. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it felt like we got a lot of, like, we got better closures with those characters earlier on in the episodes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you could have quite easily have left out this exposition dump with Betty and... Like... Betty's closure could have literally been a get in that office and going to the Oscars. Then She's had her closure. Or, with just, or just getting the office. Yeah, you she didn't I mean? have to go to the Oscars. Yeah, you're right. It, she, she could have had that off... Al did his thing, did his hero moment again. She's got an office, and then that's it. She that, that that hug and kiss on the cheek could have been the Betty's closed done. Yeah, but instead, and yeah. Then like Peter but again, Bart, I think like that's him the... getting a mention in the toast is like a nice yeah. closure to that character. Somebody who mm. is who's been like an unsung hero throughout this series, like uh, <laughs> like uh, yeah. That would have been great. Yeah, it's like, it's, this caveat yeah, but to it. It's Ruddy's hero complex again. He couldn't just give her office. He had to take her to the Oscars as well. And she had to, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not, it wasn't the best closure for these characters. Definitely, definitely. Um, so Bob has a chat with Francis about part two. Kind of says like, yeah, we got, we got to get going kind of thing. And then he makes a beeline for Ruddy. And they have this closing, this kind of conversation is their final conversation. I'm not doing the sequel. You're joking, right? No, I'm not. What the fuck are you talking about? Huh? You put your blood into this and it paid off. This is gold. Sure thing, Easy Street. Well, maybe Easy Street's overrated. Oh, hang on. What, is this about money? You're gonna hold me hostage. For more money on Oscar Die? No, come on. Come on, Bob. This has nothing to do with money. I want to make my movie. What? Oh, my God. The, 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 the football movie? It's a story that I have to tell. Fine. Tell it later. Down the road. No, I, I can't. The opportunity to make that movie is right now, and I'm taking it. Look, the sequel's going to be great. The cast is in place. They're working on a great story. Al, you got the rights to what's gonna be the most anticipated sequel of all time. And you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna throw it all away? No. No, I don't wanna throw those rights away. I wanna trade them to you for a green light on my movie. Look, Bob, I will never forget what you did for me. And Francis and Mario. I mean 
You guys are my family. My fucked up, dysfunctional family that I love dearly. And you took a chance on me when no one else would, and I will never forget that. This is something I gotta do. Right now, on my own. I don't understand that. How can you just walk away? Because I can, I guess. I'm trusting my gut. That's what got me here in the first place, right? Look, you do this, but you fail. It's all yours. That's the only way I want it. All right. Thanks, Booby. You're a class act. Thank you. Thank you for everything. So that's kind of the close between Bob Evans and Al Ruddy. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to go back to Peter Bart and what he said to Deadline. Um, <laughs> so he said, Al Ruddy walking away from The Godfather Part 2 wasn't his choice. The contracts for Godfather Part 2 specified that Al Ruddy would have no connection with the project. <laughs> So, again, it just goes, and, like, no disrespect to The Longest Yard. I'm sure it's a fine film. I've seen it. I've seen the Adam Sandler version, and I've seen the Vinnie Jones reason. But his line of going, saying, i got to walk away from The Godfather too because it's the, the story I need to tell. Like, like he's he's painting it like he is. It's a story he needs to tell. Like it's some historical epic that people need to see. It's not. It's about a football player in prison. Do you think there's I mean, an aspect of it of him kind of like I don't know, trying to try to these years later justify like a kind of a mistake he made in his life of like not yeah. pushing harder to be involved in. Or not, in not Godfather having faith in Godfather Part Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Because it, like that line is weird. Because like we say, it is just a Burt Reynolds film. I think from watching the others, just a Burt Reynolds rom about a football team in prison. But he's saying it like it's a story from his life, from his heart. Like he has to tell. And he he needs to tell people this story. Probably know? not as much as we need Godfather Part Two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think if if, if, yeah. if anything's going like goes to show, like I don't think, yeah, I don't think it was his choice to walk off of it either. Like, I think his kind of dodgy dealings with the mob and stuff like that was probably a bit too much for Bob Evans, and was like, no, we don't need this kind of energy if we're doing a sequel. Because so the Godfather Part Two the producers on it and you'll be yeah you'll be fascinated to know who 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 produced it like uh who, who, who if you could hazard a guess who do you think produced the godfather part two i'm well, assuming bob's involved let's have a little look give me two seconds whilst wikipedia uh, loads. 
Typical. Uh, so, The Godfather is produced by Francis Ford Coppola. It was very just... much the Francis show. Okay. Right, that makes, yeah. Which well, makes it... me think that there's not too much drama with The Godfather Part 2 in the fact that, yeah. like, The Godfather was such a hit that there wasn't any kickback to it. And, like, do you know what I mean? Like, the the, the Italian-Americans probably really bought into it. And, like, because as we said last week, the mob guys really liked the film and stuff like that, yeah. so they wouldn't have any objections to more stories from the, the, the Corleone family and stuff like that. So there's a chance The Godfather Part 2 was pretty plain sailing. Do you know what I mean? They just went, yeah, we're all right. That worked out right last time. We'll be fine. Yeah, I think so. If you've got the highest grossing movie of all time, if you say we want to film here, we want to do this, they're going to go, yeah. Do yeah, what you crack on. Do. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, so the budget was m- massively. It's $30 million budget compared yeah. to, what, 4.5 for the first one? Yeah, so, I mean... Yeah, the fact that Al in this portrays it like he walked away, took a risk by walking away from his bullshit, isn't it? He didn't have a choice. And this is now we're coming to, to well, they probably just got the dead wood, right? They probably just like, well, well yeah, yeah, this, we this, this is this it. Guy. Like, like, it is a, the notion that. Again, going back to him saying I have to tell this story, the notion that you would actively not carry on. He, in this show, he's been obsessed with The Godfather and it has to be out there. People need to see this film. It's going to be the greatest film I've ever seen. The fact that you would go, I can't bother with the second part. I, I want to make the prison film with the Burt Reynolds and the football. When you think about that, it's ridiculous. <laughs> of course you'd want to still be involved. Yeah. You know, you, of course you would still want to carry on this story. If the, if the story you've been obsessed by, you've lost your partner for, you've everything, and you go, nah, I've got an idea about some football in prison. Yeah. So I'm going to do that. How yeah. does how does the series, yeah, rap, like rap, like what, right. what, the, what are the so, final moments, Will? So, so, take us out. So we've, it's lovely, with Bob and um, Al hug it out because he's going off to make um, what we know is the longest yard. And then the series ends with the series that has been about the making of The Godfather ends with Al Ruddy on the set of The Longest Yard. What is what is fascinating, I found, is it cuts from, like, that chat with Bob Evans to, like, Burt Reynolds saying, like, oh, took a lot to walk away from that. And it made it seem like the whole series was Albert Ruddy telling <laughs> Burt Reynolds the story. In the tunnel. Yeah, of how of how, of all yeah. of this, and I was like, "What have we missed the scene?" I get, 
Like it kind yeah, of... I get. I'm glad you thought that because I genuinely thought at that moment when they were having that chat and yeah, Burt Reynolds saying that, like, I thought you were going to have an already going. Yeah, I don't know why I've told you all that, but that's what happened. I was going, fuck me, is that the whole series has been like you said that chat? <laughs> it wasn't, but I com- would have completely have gone. Oh yeah, okay, whatever. That's exact exactly how it seemed. And like, yeah. So, the, so the, the very final shot. So you you have um, Ruddy then walking onto set but he's with called, Bert. He's called onto set by uh, called onto set. By, yeah, by Eddie, right? The a guy from... comes down into the top of the corridor and says, uh, "Mr. Ruddy, uh, it's time. They're, they're ready for you." And it's Eddie, the caterer, and then. The final shot is Al behind on the set, hands on hips, looking up to the sky, and he's made it to the longest yard. And that's it. And then we have a rundown of, which is nice because we end of a rundown. But again, we straight away, it's what um, Al already achieved. And then you're a rundown of Bob, and then the, the pictures of the real life. Hang on. <laughs> is it a picture of the real life Al Ruddy? Uh, it's not, is it? I don't think there is. Nah. So, no, you have the still of... You do. You have the still of Miles Teller, and it tells us exactly what happened to Al Ruddy, and then everyone else has their real picture. Because <laughs> I wouldn't know what he looked like. I'm going to have to double-check this, but... Yeah, uh, yeah I need to check, now. But, yeah, so that's how it ends. We have a rundown off. So you have um, the real Ben McCarthy, you have the real Bob Evans and their achievements, and, and then it just finishes with telling us how what happened with The Godfather 50 years later. It's still regarded as one of the greatest films of all time. End. Yeah. So, but, yeah. It definitely... A satisfying... As a... Well, no, <laughs> in the sense that I will, I would have rather the film, um, sorry, the the series finish with the film the whole series was about. Mm-hmm. Like finish at the rap party, you could have easily finished with the way that this show has gone. You could have easily finished with a pick. A, a still of the gang. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, or a freeze frame of the gang and then have the rundown of, you know, Bob achieved this, Mario achieved this. and But instead, is Al Ruddy on the set of The Longest Yard? Yeah. <laughs> so- which to me seems like a really weird choice. So to jump back to something you mentioned a moment ago, um, there is actually a picture, the exact same picture I sent you of Al Ruddy is at the end of the series, but is in black and white. Oh, well, there we go. I didn't even, didn't even clock it, but yeah. So I didn't even notice, but yeah. So yeah, I, I was a bit disappointed with how they wrapped the series up. But again, I think that's because it's it, it, this last episode is so already focused 
mm-hmm. that it became a bit much where you go this you, this episode well like, would have hey, fit, you... but in the sh- if the show was called ready if it was a story of ready you know what I mean because you don't need the longest yard stats. Well, I'm I'm thinking that Paramount probably wanted to make this series, and he was the one that was willing to talk. Yeah, and that's why they went for it. But we'll we'll we'll, we'll get into we'll, yeah we'll get into more of that next week when we kind of really dissect the series as a whole. So yeah, like uh, with this series kind of in the rearview mirror now, we've watched all of it. For people who may be listening who have not watched a single episode, would you tell them to uh, leave the offer or take the offer? I'd take the offer. I would watch it because it is, there's a lot of fun to be had with it. Yeah. It's, uh... and I, although I've been a little bit down on certain parts of it, those are n- not very often. There's just a few moments where you go, uh, but as a whole, there's some genuinely great stuff in it. And you've got Matthew to take... Good. It's worth watching for the gang. And you've got to take it as a, a, a fictionalized series, as opposed to a, a factual like account of what actually happened with the making of this film, because that yeah. that is like... not what this show is. It is it is very it's much like... fluff. We said from about episode three, when you realise what the show is and how it's going to pan out, that as long as you settle in for the fact that, and get on board with the fact that it is light, it is frothy, it's fun, it's not a blow-by-blow account of the making of The Godfather. It's just a, a version of events. Mm-hmm. With a sprinkling of, well, that's sprinkling of bullshit. But it's never. It is one thing you can say about this show is it is never not entertaining. Do you know what I mean? It's, it, it's ne- even when those duff moments or, or the moments where you go, oh, "Come on, you're stretching this." It's never not. I've I've never. There's never not a single episode out of ten where I've gone check the time or gone. Okay, now this is dragging on a bit now. Mm-hmm. You could. Is hundred percent sure you could binge, yeah, and not realize you've watched ten hours of it. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think, I think, I've, I, I, I agree with that. And we'll get more into our kind of over overall thoughts of the series as a whole next week and kind of dive into stuff like that. But um, yeah. So in regards to that, do join us next week as we kind of have a full overview of the series and dive into a couple of different topics where we would like to see this go if there were ever a season two and some other some yeah diving into some of the factual inaccuracies and i don't know just 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 some fun stuff that we can we can talk about this series that's not not so episode specific and kind of pick out our favorite parts our least favorite parts and kind of really really tear it all apart and put it back together and have a fun old time so yeah thank you so much for for listening to all 10 episodes of this but do join us for the 11th episode as we will be doing a series wrap-up for the offer um 
as always, you can follow the podcast on all social medias and get in touch. Let us know what you thought. If you've watched the offer, uh, get in touch with me, which is at Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, and TikTok. And you can drop me an email, which is cagedinpod at gmail.com. Or you can speak to my good friend, Will Chitch, over here at... Will Chitch on Twitter. I say I don't, I, I'm at Bill Chitch on Instagram, but mainly on Twitter. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Well, well, as ever, thank you so much for coming and sharing a cannoli with me and talking about the offer. It's been a, it's been an absolute joy. It's been a pleasure, mate, and I've really enjoyed this wine this evening. Well done, Mister Coppola. Yes, it's a lovely little drop. Mister Coppola has knocked it out of the park. Well. <laughs> Yeah, he smashed it. Be sure to leave the gun and take our offer that you cannot refuse. Join us next week as we do a series wrap up for Paramount Plus's limited series, The Offer. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.